The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com slash amazing to start your springtime adventure. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Baby, oh, it is a oh. Tuesday. Derek Gunn, Rob Ellis, hanging out with you post Memorial Day Sports Take, Jacob Sports YouTube Network. Hi, Gunner. How are we? Good, man. How you doing? How you doing, Terminator? <laughs> so, if you're wondering, I might I might take the shades off at some point. But if you're wondering what's going on, you don't see my usual background or any of that kind of stuff, or you might hear a little bit of noise. Right. So I am getting my roof, my entire roof redone at the house. And okay. for anybody who's experienced that, it sounds like somebody is, is, is coming through with a pickaxe, right? Which they are kind of in some ways. Been there, done that. Loud, my man. I'm telling you loud. So uh, I thought, you know what? Better to take the show on the road than risk uh you know it, it sounded like someone w- w- was trying to crash through so uh i'm on the road i am i am at my friendly neighborhood panera outside now the, the problem is i've done shows inside before right the outside inside it's music it's lunchtime it's very busy yep. so i am i am out amongst the people who think i'm a lunatic right now speaking the way that i'm speaking but get used to it folks it's going to be three hours of this baby yes hey man how was your holiday Oh man, it was it was good. I um, I'm gonna take these off. So uh, it was good. I oh come on, man, leave them on. Leave them on. All right, we'll leave them on. We'll go. We'll rock the whole show with them. There we go. All right. So um, yeah, it was good. I worked a little bit. I had Saturday off. I I actually got out uh, and played a little bit of golf Saturday. Played nine okay. holes. First time okay. I played golf in a long time. It's, uh, and Maggie went with me, so we both met, we went out and golfed. Uh, so we we both played. It's the first time. It's really like the first time she's ever. I think we tried it once. But she played, okay. and she did all right. She didn't okay. do bad. Yeah. Um, so that was good. And um, yesterday, I, I did the morning show for, for WIP, but then I went. My buddy had a cookout, so I went over to his place, uh, hung out there for, for a little bit, and then went home and watched the basketball, man, last okay. night. Okay. Okay. It was great. Nice, was man. Good. So, you know, Saturday, uh, all the family, kids, grandkids over, and we, we cooked out, played around in the yard. 
uh, my son's girlfriend uh, bought this uh, inflatable, and it has a a a stairs you climb it, slide down another obstacle, and it comes with these three hoses. We didn't attach them because it was it was cooler in the evening, but when you attach the hoses, it'll spray water like a shower in three different spots on it. Nice. But the kids were just so happy to be jumping on this inflatable. They didn't care. We did that Friday, Saturday, and uh, Saturday, Sunday, and Monday. Sunday, we just chilled out. We didn't grill out or anything. We went out and had like Chinese food and stuff Sunday. And then yesterday, uh, grilled out. And my son-in-law, my oldest daughter's husband, a year ago, he found this game at Dick's Sporting Good called Bottle Bash. You ever played this game? No. Bottle Bash? I never heard B- of it. B- Bottle Bash. He paid, he, right. said he paid like 20 bucks for it. So you get these two, two skinny poles. And All they right. kind of bounce around like you stick them in the ground and yeah. you put like a bottle, like a soda bottle, a plastic bottle on top of each one. You get one here and one down on the other end and you play two man game, uh, two man teams and you have a Frisbee and you try to, hit, to use the Frisbee to knock the bottle off okay. the, the, the stand. If you knock the bottle off, but if we catch it, you get no points, but we, you knock it off and we can't catch it. You get three points. And anytime you throw the frisbee towards the opposition, if they try to catch the frisbee and they drop the frisbee, you get additional point. Like so you, you you play the twenty one. So we played that until it got dark. To you, and it was windy yesterday, dude. The frisbee looked like a knuckleball coming at you because yeah. it would start here and it start doing this, and you're only standing like maybe twenty yards apart. Yeah. And the frisbee, you know, I mean, first of all, they're winging the frisbee is hard, so yep. your hands are taking a beating. And then on top of that, the wind is taking the frisbee like this, dude. And my uh, my son-in-law Josh, his eight his eight-year-old son Luke, yeah, is a has a master's degree in in, in um, trash talking. <laughs> so I had Luke on my team, and I was right. playing against my two son-in-laws. And every time I dropped the frisbee, he screamed, "Come on, Butterfingers! Oh my goodness, I need oh. a new teammate!" I'm like, "What? He's you threw the man. you threw the frisbee over in the neighbor's yard? What are you talking about?" He fits right in with you. That's good. That's yeah, trash good talking. Life. That's good. Oh, yeah. I like it. I like it. By the way, what's up, everybody? I hope everybody's doing well out there. I can't pull you up uh, in terms of the comments section because I'm on a, I'm on my laptop, not my my desktop. So if if Tone wants to pull up anything that he thinks is noteworthy, all right. Tone's got the freedom today. So feel free. But I see everybody. I see Jabari. I see Duck. I see Bean eating chicken. <laughs> I see Adam. I see everybody. I see John. What's up, John? Yes. For, for those and, and, wondering, and Duck's asking too, yeah, we are back yeah. at Panera today. And no, I have not seen any uh, any teenagers making out. So we're good. We're good. We're safe. Fitness Rebel said, I made it on time today, Diga. Yes, you did. Well, Hi, Fitness Rebel. Tennis, technically, Fitness Rebel, it says you checked in at 12.03. Oh, look at you keeping track. Well, since we didn't start until 12.02, I guess I have to give her the benefit of the Yeah, doubt. she gets. She definitely yeah. gets a pass. Fitness Rebel gets we'll a pass. We'll give her a pass today. All right. 100% okay. gets a pass. But yeah, no, all good, man. All good. Uh, it's a beautiful day out. It's gorgeous, and I, I, I'm in a. It's nice where I'm at. It's it's like shady, so I'm not hot or anything like that. And I figured I'd, I'd put the backdrop this way rather than the street because yeah. it'd be distracting with all the cars riding past. So it's all good, man. Oh man, come on, man. The cars riding past is the ambiance, man. All right, so that's what I'll do. Yeah, you got to. Let's see the action behind you, man. Hopefully you don't see anybody streaking naked behind you. I don't know what hey, kind of neighborhood you're in. If we do, it's your what? fault. You asked for it, Derek. Hey, I'm blaming hey, you. Man. It's YouTube, man. We can do anything we want on YouTube. No, I hear you. I hear you. So, um, you know, big news yesterday. Uh, okay, I was at the, the cookout, and everybody, well, it's all we were talking about. Like, everybody, oh, what do you think? What do you think? Nick Nurse. Nick Nurse hired by the Sixers. Um, 
you, look, you know where I've been with this. I've been, it's been hard for me to get any yeah. kind of optimism going with this team right now. And I, and I still sort of feel that way. Um, but I will say he was my number one choice. I'm excited about him for a couple of reasons, Derek. And we're going to really get into him heavily at 1 o'clock. We have, by the way, we have Greg Cosell, uh, phenomenal, phenomenal um, producer and film breakdown artist uh, from NFL Films. Yeah who does an awesome job. He's going to be joining us at 1230. So we'll get heavy into the Sixers at one. But what? here's what I like. He holds guys accountable. He is yes. not afraid to call somebody out. Now, he's not a maniac about it. He's not always doing it. He picks and chooses his spots. But I think this is something that, frankly, Joel Embiid needs, that this team needs. If James Harden here is here next year, which I think this probably means he is, but uh, – I think it's a good thing that, that he does that because I, I, I think if you look at the last two, the, the two coaches Joel has had in his pro career, he's had Brett Brown and Doc Rivers, who are both yep. players yep. coaches. Yep. Um, and I, I think it's we're at that stage. And if it's something that really bothers him, oh, well, then maybe it's time to move on. That's kind of where I'm at with it. Yeah. Um, when When you put it like that, the one thing I'm thinking about as you're speaking is how will Joel receive it if Nick has to get in his grill? Will he rise to the challenge or will he shut down and pout about it? See, we don't know that because Joel has been treated with kit gloves right. his entire time here in Philadelphia. You know, some guys have thick enough skin to where, you know, you challenge me, I'm going to answer your challenge. Other guys, you know, curl up Yep. You know, in all sports. So I, you, it, it's a good hire, I think in terms of a guy having a winning pedigree knows how to get the max out of his, his talent. But what I don't like is this, what I read last night was, you know, he was, he was struggling between Phoenix and Philadelphia. Yeah. Came, they were the two it came down to. Right. Yep. And so it, it, it's, it's believed that Philly won out because his relationship with Daryl Morey. Yes. Okay. And that they're both going to work in unison tr- to try to get Harden and come back. Mm-hmm. I know. I know. And, and that's – so that was going to be like part two. As much as I feel like he's probably the best fit here, Derek, Yeah, I can't get past the fact that this means Harden's back, and that just ruins it for me, frankly. Uh, honest to God, it does. Exactly. Like, and I, I say that knowing, like, it's going to be difficult because of the money situation to figure it out and all that. Like, I get it. But still, like, to me, uh, here's what I would hope that they would do, and I don't think this is what they're going to do. Let him walk. Let Harden walk. Figure out a way to trade Tobias, which I think him going into his into the last year of that deal, I think is doable. I don't think it's easy, but it's doable. Right. In, in the process of doing that, utilize the funds that you have, the money that you have, and whomever you trade for Tobias to a find you know that diamond in the rough, but yep. also be able to to figure out get a real point guard in here, you know, and not to say that Harden wasn't a good distributor. He was, he led the league in assists, but get it, get a distributor in here and try and strengthen yourself from a wing perspective. And, and it just feels like they're of the mindset that, Oh, well now that doc's out of here, we'll bring in Daryl Morey and we'll kind of run it back. Like, like it was all doc rivers, which is nonsense that it was all doc rivers. There's, there's all, there's a ticker problem right here, man, with these guys right there with these guys. And that's what worries me. (laughs) Yeah, my, my, you know what? It didn't work. It, it right. worked to a certain point. Now you've got to now you've got to change the complexion of this thing. 
And I think this fan base for as passionate and as critical as they can be yeah. will be a lot more forgiving if they see change, you know, because if everybody in unison doesn't want um, to see Harden come back here. Mm-hmm. But all we keep hearing is that they're committed to bringing James Harden back. Um, and Cal Bundy on our, our feed says, if Harden comes back, I'm not watching, you I, know, and right. I'm sure a lot of people feel that way. No, I listen and I get it. And I understand that sense. I think Adam, Adam X, Adam's exploits just feels the same way. Like he said, he couldn't even watch the basketball last night. Cause he's so frustrated with the Sixers. You know, I, here's what I think ends up happening. Like we, we all go through these frustration points with our teams, you know, and we say, I'm done, I'm out, all this other stuff. And, and I'm not doubting, you know, the frustration with people. I think that once the season rolls back around, even if you're frustrated, it's hard to stay away as a fan. It really is. And I think people will come back, but I think it is a very difficult ask for this fan base to get excited about this this team just because you you change coaches and it's Nick Nurse as opposed to Doc Rivers. I think that's a really tough ask. It is, but it seems like that's what they're going to ask us to do. And I wonder how it's going to affect attendance for games. I think initially people will come out um, just out of curiosity because it's a new season. But I think the I think the the crowd will ebb and flow as the season does. If they're winning, stands will be full. If they start going on a losing streak, seats are going to be empty, and that's not what they want. Especially yeah. if you end up giving Harden that max contract. Now you know you mentioned last week about if Harden comes back, try to get him at two years, a hundred million. I don't think James Harden is going to settle for that because yeah. he's opting out to get that max contract which is probably his last big contract. Well, more than likely he's 33 now. His last yeah. big contract in the NBA. So, why, so yeah. why would he give anybody a concession if he's opting out of the last year of a current contract? You know, so that's what I'm saying is somebody somebody's going to call the other one chicken, and I think it comes down to two things. Either the Sixers give him that four-year max contract or he's going to go to Houston if, if what we're hearing is true, that he wants to go back to Houston. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, look, I, I keep going back and forth on this and, and trying to figure out whether or not this is him just just essentially using Houston as leverage for the, the Sixers or he's sincere about going back to Houston. Look, I, I think if, if it ended up that he sort of, um, you know, really pushed the bluff hard with the Sixers, I don't think he would mind going back to Houston. Like, I, don't, I think that's a situation he'd be fine with. I can't see any other teams in the NBA willing to pony up Four years, two hundred million for him. No, no. I don't. I still. No. I've been telling you this from the jump. I don't know why it makes sense for Houston either. But, but anyway, if no. it is Houston, like, okay, maybe, maybe because of his ties there to the city, they love him, etc. Maybe, but, but nowhere else. And this is where Daryl Morey can't be fooled by his, you know, admiration for him, whatever we want to call this. And I just worry that he can't see clearly when it comes to James Harden. He doesn't make objective decisions. The thing about Harden also, Rob, here's a guy who's never won an NBA title. Nope. He's been on a team that has gone to the playoffs consecutive years. Why would you want to go back to Houston where they're they're building from the bottom up? It's a young team. You would be the old man on a young team, the grandfather on an old team. Why would you want to go back there? and start all over at that stage of your career. If you do that, that tells me it's about the money for you and not about trying to win that ring because that's, that's the bottom line. That's what it is. Yeah. You, you, yeah. You're, you're, just, you're not going to see a ring anywhere in, in, in your lifetime playing for Houston. 
Yeah, if you're sincere, like if you sincerely, your, your objective at this juncture in your career is to win a championship, it's not happening in Houston. Um, if your objective is to make the most money you can make, okay, I mean, that's fine. You, you could probably make it there or, or I mean, and again, I'm not even ripping him for this, but if you if you just love Houston, you're, you're I know his mother makes her home there now. I know he's from California originally, but he right. loves Houston. Okay, fine. I mean, that's that's okay. I, I'm not shredding the guy for that. If that's what it is, it, it is. Yeah. It's fine. Yeah. It's a personal decision. But if 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 every if winning supersedes everything else, he would want to be in Philadelphia. No Play question myself. about it. There's no yeah. question about it. Especially now that you have a coach with the with the pedigree of a Nick Nurse, um, who's a very defensive minded coach as well. Um, so that's one area I can't wait to see this team improve on is defense, but not knowing what this roster is going to look like going into um, the fall it is, it makes you, it makes you feel a little bit unsettled. It does. Especially with the restraints they're under right now. Yeah. Um, but I, I just hate to think that Harden's going to come back here. And I think, Daryl Moore is going to buckle and give him that max contract because now you're stuck with him for four years instead of two. Hundred you know, percent. Yeah. I, I know. I know. I feel the same way you feel for sure. We're, like I said, we'll, we'll. I'll give. We'll lay out some of the things that Nurse does really well and some of the things that he struggled with in Toronto. But he he does have tor- ties to Daryl Morey. Daryl Morey hired him back in the day yeah. as one of Houston's G League coaches. So he they do go back. Um, and apparently, like you mentioned, this came down to two things: his relationship with Daryl Morey. And apparently he talked to Joel Embiid and, and really wants to coach Embiid. So, uh, you know, it seems like he choose, chose Embiid in this situation over Phoenix and, you know, Kevin Durant and, and Devin Booker, which, I, you know, in and of itself says something, right? So I think that's interesting. Um, I, I don't know, man. I, I'm, looking, I'm looking at the uh, Phoenix Suns roster compared to the Sixers right now. And that roster in Phoenix, even though Phoenix only won 45 games compared to the Sixers winning 54. Yeah. Um, that that roster looks to me a little bit more appealing than the 76ers roster right now. But yeah, but, you know, but I, the only problem is with that roster, Derek, is you get past Durant and Booker. There's not a lot, honestly. Well, Chris like, Paul's like 37, and it's just a bunch of guys after that. And it and it's a bad contract for DeAndre Ayton. That's a bad deal. So um, anyway, but but nonetheless, so there's that. And then how about last night, man? The Heat go in there and just lay a whooping on the Celtics. I mean, just put it on them in, in game seven. It, this was such a weird series. I, I have was, never seen anything like no, it. No, this is one of the strangest series I've ever seen, Rob. And in Boston, when you look back on it now, Boston should have won this series in six games. Yeah. If they had played like they played in games um, three, four, and five, they should have won this series. Now, in games, well, technically, yeah, four, five, and six. If they had played like they played four, five, and six, they'd have won this series in six games. The fact that now Jason Tatum was a big loss when he when he tweaked that ankle on the first series of the game. That was a huge. That was play. huge. But I don't even know if a healthy Jason Tatum could have saved this team. To be honest, um, Jalen Brown was a no show. Smart let him down. Big time. Um, everybody you can think of. Let this team down offensively. They were nine for forty-two from beyond the arc. And they kept shooting the threes. Just kept jacking up threes. And Crazy. dude, they had plenty of layups, and they would kick it back out again. Here's another. Mm-hmm. And you know, Charles Barkley entertains me more so than informs me on on his pre and post game oh, show. He is wild, man. But he brought up valid points about all these knuckleheads jacking up threes, and not just Boston and Miami, but across the league. 
Yep. Everybody thinks they're three. He goes, you know, you can take the layup every now and then. Every time Miami got a double-digit lead and Boston would get it down to six or seven, I'm thinking, here they come. Here mm-hmm. they come. And all of a sudden, Miami would hold them off and extend the lead again. And hit a big shot. Like, hit Caleb Martin shot. was awesome. He was. He should have awesome. been MVP. He should have been MVP. I, it was, I, I, I sat there, and I'm like, it's going to be Butler, but this, this dude, absolutely, he was phenomenal. And not just last night, the entire series, he was awesome. Oh, there's no question about it. I mean, yeah. obviously, he's overshadowed by, you know, Jimmy Butler. And you know, Strout and Struce making big plays. Yeah, out of bio. You know, and out of bio, Vincent. He and showed all up last night. Yeah, out of bio, yeah, showed did. up last night. Yeah. Um, but you talk about the complete team effort, and I love Jimmy Butler's comment after the game where he somebody asked him about role players. He goes, "I don't look at them as role players. I look at them as teammates, whose job it is every night is to change and to do the little things to help us win." Right. And that's and I said, you know what? That's one of the best best lines I've ever heard. Mm-hmm. I don't look at them as role players. I look at them as teammates. Yeah, you know, as if to say, you know, don't, don't look at me. It's not just about me. Whether I'm leading points, the leading point score or not, it's not about me. It's about us. We didn't get here just because of me. We got here because of all these guys making the big shots, the big defensive stands when they had to. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what Miami is. Not a flashy team. Not a star-studded team. But they are a complete team. Yeah, and, and we keep talking about it, man. Culture matters. You know, you're talking about a coach Absolutely. who's now in his sixth final, right? You're talking about Pat Riley, who's been doing this now, Derek, for the better part of 40 years, uh, whether it was the Lakers, whether it was the Knicks, now it's the Heat, whether he's coaching or whether he's the architect of it. You're talking about winners. These guys are winners. And this is the thing that, to get it back to the Sixers for one second here, that, that they've failed to establish is a culture. I don't know what the yeah. Sixers stand yeah. for. You know, so it's it's not a it's not a coincidence, man. And they had more heart than the Heat. Bottom line, just more. I mean, than the Celtics. Excuse me, way more heart. Bottom line, you you go into you go into Boston, tied three three, and especially after the way they lost Game Six, Derek White on the follow up with a fraction of a second left. You thinking Miami's going to be demoralized, knowing they got to go into enemy's house and play the seventh and deciding game. And they went in there and played like it was on their home court from start to finish. Yep. You know, nothing rattles this team. Um, and I'm gonna I'm gonna enjoy watching this Miami Denver series. Me too. Two completely different styles of play. Um, and 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 Miami is not gonna back down. Denver is a sharpshooting team. Miami's just these junkyard dogs. They do what they have to do to get the job done. I think it's going to be a great series, to be honest. Yeah, no, I do too. And people writing off the heat, like, how do you keep writing them off? You know, yeah. they, they were heavy underdogs in this game, and they win the game outright. I, I saw this earlier. They're minus 360 going into this Ooh. series. So nobody's giving them any, which is perfect. I'm, I'm sure Spolster's telling them that right now. You know, it, so it, it's absolutely the way it should be. It's, it's, it's let them keep being underdogs and everybody keep doubting them, but it's, I can't wait. And the beauty is because this thing went seven, we got a game in two nights, you know, we got yeah. a game Thursday night, game one. So that's exciting. Um, the golden Knights finished off the, uh, the Dallas stars last night, Derek. So we know who's in the Stanley cup finals. We got the golden Knights and the Panthers Panthers been waiting a long, I think it's going to be a nine day layoff for them. Same with the nuggets, you know, really long layoff. I'm telling you, man, I, I, I truly believe that it's, more of an advantage, even though these teams are a little bit more banged up, they just keep it rolling. Right, right, right. For these teams. So, you know, sometimes, you know, people keep talking about there's, there's an advantage when you have an extended rest. Yes, but there's also the possibility you come out rusty. 
Yep. When you're a team like Miami playing on short rest, even though you're nicked up, you're banged up, you're hurting, yeah. you're still in it. You're still in a groove. You know, you still have that mojo going. You don't want extended rest off. I mean, this is a Miami team that knocked out the number one seed Milwaukee and now the number two seed Boston. They want to keep playing. They don't want to slow down. They don't want to stop. So you know, it's going to be interesting to see who has the momentum. We know Denver has the home court edge. Well, so did Boston. So did Milwaukee. How did that play out for both of those teams? You know, I think it's going to be. I think it's going to be a great series. I really do. Yeah, no, I I do as well, man. So we had that. We had the Phillies splitting over the weekend uh, in Atlanta. You know, the shame of it, Derek, is no, like if nobody's thrilled with a split. But if you if you had started the season off well, and you get a split in Atlanta. It's not bad. You know, I mean, yeah, considering how yeah. well that they've played this year, the problem is like when you're digging yourself out of a hole like the Phillies are, you're left unsatisfied, you know, and, and they also got hammered on, on Sunday night. Sunday and night, and yeah. Dylan Covey didn't, couldn't get out of the first inning, you know, and had a historically bad game. And, you're, you know, you just realize they do have some serious starting pitching issues. But, there, I mean, there were some positives to come out of it. Wheeler looked great on Saturday. He looked like Zach Wheeler again. He was dealing, yeah. I thought they pitched uh, played a really complete game on Friday as well. Yes. You know, it's a shame they sandwiched two kind of crappy efforts in, in with with two really good ones in the middle. And I'll tell you what, big series, man. The Mets tonight, big and, one. And then uh, Kimbrel gets his 400th career save. Yeah, in front uh, of all. Strokes, yeah, one yeah. of only eight pe- only eight people to ever do that in the history of the major leagues that have 400 or more saves. So kudos to him. I look at it like this, Rob. The way the Phillies have played this season, getting a split in Atlanta was a win. It was a win. You didn't gain any ground, but you didn't lose any ground. You very easily could have gone down there, lost three out of four or lost all four. At least you managed to split out of there in Atlanta, the way you've been playing now. Hopefully they can build on that. I mean, the Mets right now are 500 team. They've scored more runs than the Phillies, but they're not playing the type of ball we thought they would be playing at this point of the season. Why can't they go into New York and take two out of three from them? Yeah, I hear you. And what, yeah. Look, tonight's huge because you have Ranger Suarez on the mound, and he hasn't looked like himself, uh, that's for sure. He's looked like a shell of himself. So if he starts to show you that he's he's finding his footing a little bit here, then all of a sudden, you know, you feel good about your top three, yeah. and, and then you figure it out from there. And Taiwan Walker, by the way, was the one who pitched on Friday and, yeah. and looked good. So if the starters kind of get their act together, the, the bullpen's been fine. Like, I have no worries, uh, you know, whatsoever. Uh, about the bullpen. So, all right, uh, let's hit it, Derek. Let's come back and we'll talk to Greg Cosell from NFL Films. We'll get his thoughts on the Eagles draft. We'll get his thoughts on the roster, their chances this year, and we'll jump around the league. You know, there's a lot to to talk to Greg about because he covers it all, not just the Eagles, the entire NFL. So looking forward to hanging out with him. We'll do that when we come back. He is D-Gun. I am Rob Ellis. We are Sports Take, Jacob Sports YouTube Network. All right, let's talk about Bravo Pizza. Bravo Pizza, the place I've been going to since I was a little kid. They've been family-owned since 1985. you got Alex and the crew each and every day putting out the best fresh food in the business. They have 20 different styles of pizza. They also have the you name it, we'll make it. You call up, request a certain kind of pizza, and they will put that together, which is the, which is the great thing there. When it comes to uh, to Bravo Pizza, they also it's not just pizza. Well, by the way, they have slices as well, but it's not just pizza. It is fresh sandwiches. It is salads. It's wraps. It's wings. It's everything you could possibly want, and then some. And they're also great in the community. They have fundraisers all the time for schools, for little leagues, for or- different organizations, including the Eagles Autism Challenge, which they donated to and raised money to a couple weeks ago. 
So it, it, look, this is the place you want to be. Um, and they, they are in the Manoa Shopping Center in Havertown, Pennsylvania, at 1345 Westchester Pike, Manoa Shopping Center in Havertown, Pennsylvania. Give them a call, 610-446-3810, 610-446-3810, Bravo Pizza of Havertown. Weather forecasting is a team game. We rely on each other every day, updating the models and passing along new critical information. We have a team of five experienced meteorologists and a specialized weather producer, Paul. Say hi, Paul. Sometimes what I see in the model, Cecily could see something different. That's when we come together as a team to make our most accurate prediction. And all of this backed by more than 100 AccuWeather scientists. It's a team game. And we have the best team in town. When it comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder, and it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at messalaw.com. Messon Associates, the toughest injury firm in Philadelphia. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. Celebrating the life of your loved one is what we do at Life Celebrations by Givnish. When the matriarch of the Dalloway family died suddenly at 82 years old, Life Celebrations by Givnish stepped in. They will make this the easiest thing that you... I know it's not easy, but they will make this as easy as possible. Life Celebrations by Givnish, customizing services as unique as the individual. I, I just know that my dad, who is in charge of everything, was it was not in charge of anything at that point when, when my mom passed. And uh, um, again, just another uh, shout out to this place for making it easy. Turning tragedy into a celebration of life, no matter how hard, is what we do at Life Celebrations by Givnish. Life Celebrations by Givnish. Customizing services as unique as the individual. E-A-G-L-E-S. Eagles. Welcome back, everybody. Hope you're doing well out there. I hope you had a great, great uh, Memorial Day uh, yesterday. Hope you had a great weekend, great, great relaxing weekend. Rob Ellis, Derek Gunn, hanging out with you here on Sports Take, Jacob Sports YouTube Network. If you're wondering why the shades, uh, I do wear my sunglasses at night, but I wear them during the are day you, sometimes. Are you, are you in trouble again? Uh, the law, man. We got we to gotta stay low. No. Uh, hey, I I'm got not, that. I wear my sunglasses at night. I like you. that. Thank yeah. you. Uh, so is this thing on? Yes. Thank you. Uh, so I am uh, I am at the local neighborhood Panera 
uh, hanging out because I am having my roof done. Uh, and they showed up right and early, 7 o'clock this morning. Uh, and it was loud, man. It was loud. And it's all good because they think they can get it all done in one day. So I'm excited about that. Oh, you're lucky. Oh. I, uh, I know. Very fortunate. So we should be good to go tomorrow. But we got to get through today. So we took the show on the road as to not have it be too loud. I know there's a little bit of ambient noise, but it, trust me, it would have been a lot worse. So we're gamers here, Derek. We adapt, we overcome um, for sure. We're, we're looking forward to, uh, to, to hanging out with Greg Cosell uh, as soon as Greg's ready to go. I, I don't know that I can't see him. So if he's ready, Tone, you let me know uh, if and when he's ready. Uh, we, can, we can bring right, him he's up. Ready. He's ready now. Okay, let's bring him up because I can't see him with my, my current setup. And we well there he hey. is. There's the man himself. We we welcome to the show Greg Cosell. Greg, who has done an amazing job, 43 years, NFL films, executive producer, analyst for the NFL matchup show with Darius Butler and our pal Sal Palantonio. Just does an awesome job with you know analytically looking at things, whether it's tape or just uh, just breaking down the NFL. We welcome to the show. What's up, Greg? How are you, man? Rob. You gun, what's happening? Uh, hey, I gotta ask you real quick. Did you ever think you would be at the same place for f- over four decades? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I don't know. Does any does anybody think about that stuff no. right when they get a job right away? I mean, it was actually my second job out of college. My first job out of college, I believe it or not, I taught school at a private day school outside of Detroit, Michigan. And I coached basketball and baseball. That was the first thing I did. I wow. did that for one year. Wow. And then I got the job in NFL Films in 1979. Man, that is, that's wild. Now, wow. you were was, a coach? Was, wow. that the, was that the goal, Greg, if, if you didn't have this kind of career, was to be a coach at some point? No, no. <laughs> um, when I graduated from Amherst College, which was a, it's a liberal arts school, so I majored in American history and political science. And I just didn't want to go to school anymore because when you do that, you go to law school. That's kind of the normal track. And I took the law boards, the whole deal, but I just didn't want to do it anymore. So I really had no clue what I wanted to do. So, you know, it was kind of, okay, let's see. And so I did that and uh, I realized I didn't want to teach. Um, The coaching part was kind of fun, but I didn't know if, you know, I, I was I was 22, 23 years old, so I wasn't thinking in terms of, wow, I want to be a coach. You know, I was thinking more in terms of kind of getting what would be considered a real job. <laughs> <laughs> well, and here we are. We're, we're, yeah. all still, we're all still trying to avoid those real jobs. I guess I'm still looking for a real job yes. after 43 yeah. years, yeah. Maybe when we grow up someday, we'll get yeah. real jobs. Still yeah, trying to figure sure. out what I want to do when I grow up. Good point. Um, so I, I wanted to hit you with this, Greg, because I know we did talk to you. Uh, maybe it was a month or a few weeks uh, before the draft. Um, yeah. The, the question I have specifically is if you were the Eagles and you were sitting there at nine and Carter fell to nine, would you have still grabbed him there at nine? Because I know you had a couple reservations about some of the off field stuff. Like, do you think it was a well, that would be the only reason on yeah. field? Absolutely. Yeah. Rob. Okay. I mean, mm-hmm. Carter's a top three, top four player in the draft. If you're just basing it on on field and talent and he'll step right in and start for the Eagles, certainly in their five man front. Um, so yeah, I would, I had no problem at all based on the film study. Uh, the other parts, all we know is what we read or what people tell us. You know, we don't know all those details and we may never know all those details. Uh, they obviously feel based on their culture, their organization, maybe his relationship with other Georgia teammates that are there, that that can be dealt with and handled. 
Um, up to this point, I know through the OTAs and the offseason program, there's not been an issue, as you guys probably know. Um, mm -hmm. So we'll see. But from a from a film perspective, Rob, absolutely. I mean, that's they, they were probably just waiting and waiting because they had obviously made the decision that they were going to take take Carter if he was there. So, you know, because they trade, didn't they? They traded to to, to get that. Yeah, they, yeah. Well, yeah, they traded yeah, they up. They moved up, dude, because they moved, they moved up one spot. Yeah. 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 One spot. Right, right. So they knew that. I mean, they were going to take Carter for sure. So, Greg, out of all the film that you watched on Carter, give me the one thing that the one constant that really kept jumping out about his style of play. I would say power. Um, He's incredibly strong. Now, there's strength and power are two different things, Degon. Mm -hmm. Strength is is confined space. It's you know, strength is is right in front of you. Power is strength in motion, and those are two different things. So there's guys that are really strong. Let's say that can hold the point in the run game. You know, there's a lot of those kinds of defensive tackles that can hold the point in the run game and just stop a, a blocker right there, right at the point of attack. But power is a different element. Power is the ability to move people. It's strength in motion. Now, moving people can be done different ways. You hear speed to power pass rush all the time. You usually hear that about edge rushers, where they get into a guy in contact, and then they just keep pushing him back into the pocket. For an interior guy, power can be a little different. You certainly can do that. But this guy would move 320-pound offensive linemen, whether it was a club move, whether it was just however he did it, he moved people. And, uh, you know, I think that's that's hard to do when you're talking about offensive linemen who, who are over 300 pounds. And he's not a guy, Greg, in your estimation, that has to come off the field, right? Whether it's pass rush or against the run. He's got no, both no, of those again, skill sets. Yeah. We don't know, Rob, as a rookie, if he's going to play yeah. 70 snaps a game. Right. But he's certainly going to start. And I think if all goes well, you're going to see him play 40 to 50 snaps a game without question. Mm. You know, the big – I think the big – I don't want to say it's a question mark, but I think at this point the hope certainly is Jordan Davis, that Jordan Davis is going to play more than 20 snaps a game. They mm -hmm. didn't trade up to draft Jordan Davis last year to play 20 snaps a game. Uh, he's lost weight. I'm hearing great things about him, uh, you know, at this point in time. Um you know, I think the feeling is if he can play 35, 40 snaps a game and be really effective, because last year was very up and down. He would have special plays, but he wasn't really consistent. And in fact, what the tape showed with Davis was if he were to play three or four snaps in a row, by the fourth snap, he was he was done. He would just mm. stand up and he had nothing to him. Now he's lost because I felt when he came out that if he could get down to 325, he could be a great player. Mm. And I was told that he's very close to that right now. So, you know, if Jordan Davis can become what they want him to be and what they hope he would be based on where they drafted him, this defensive front could be just ridiculously good. Because Carter, to me, Carter's – I'm not saying he's going to be an all-pro first team as a rookie, but he's that kind of talent. Wow. Mm. Wow. How, how surprised were you that Nolan Smith fell into their lap at 30? Um, I guess I was surprised. Um. But I, I also think that on a certain level, he becomes a little scheme specific for teams because he is okay. under 240 pounds. And right or wrong, you guys know that there are teams that are going to say that a 238 pound edge player is, you know, is there's a question mark there. That's right, not an right, automatic, right. you know. So, I mean, the guy's a freakish athlete. He's incredibly intelligent. 
apparently a, a great kid. That's what I've heard from everybody. Um, you know, I'm sure he'll back up Reddick to start. It, you know, it's funny watching his tape, and I watched his tape from 2021 as well because he he got hurt, I think, in the sixth or seventh game this year. Right. So I also went back to 2021 when he played pretty much the full season. Mm-hmm. And there was a part of me, and I actually talked to a couple of coaches who felt similarly. So I don't want to say, gee, I was the only one and I'm smarter than anybody else. But there was a part of me that felt that he could have been a stacked backer and been a great player, too. There was a part of me watching him that thought of Fred Warner as opposed to an edge player. You know, and at times he he did do that at Georgia. He played as a stacked backer. And I thought he was really good at that and that he could have transitioned to the league in that role as well. Now, the Eagles don't see him that way. There were many teams that didn't see him that way. Um, he'll be an edge player. He'll, he'll probably be the backup to Redick again. You know, I, none of us can say now how many snaps that means this year, but I think that's how the Eagles see him as, as an edge player. Greg, how do you, how do you view Sidney Brown? Because it, it feels like that's a position that may be there for the taking, you know, some of the other spots yeah. you're talking about pretty good depth there, but safety is a question mark right now. He comes out of Illinois and very high praise from a lot of folks. Do you like him as much as some other people do? Yeah, Sidney Brown is a great athlete. He's a, he's a little tight. He's a straight line burner. Um, what he needs to be taught, and they are working on this, I can tell you that for a fact. This might sound silly to say, but he needs to be taught how to tackle. He played mm. predominantly in the box at, um, at Illinois. Now, he's got great speed and range, so he can play on the back end. Didn't do that a lot in college, but from what I understand, he did a lot of that at the senior bowl, and teams came away feeling as if he could do that in the league. But he didn't do that in college for the most part. He played in the box and wasn't very good in the box because he's a bad tackler. You know, he's one of those guys that – and and tackling isn't really taught in college very much because, you know, as you guys know, right. they don't have a lot of hours. Right. So it's, it's very much based on scheming. He's one of those guys – that would just drop his head. And I was talking to a guy who's working with him on the Eagles who, you know, they, they talk to him and say, okay, when you do that, what are you looking at? And he'd say, well, the ground. And they'd say, well, that's not really where you want to be looking, you know? So he's got to be taught how to tackle. Now that can be done. Um, but he's a great straight line athlete and explosive guy. Um, another guy from what I understand, who's just a great, great kid. Um, so, you know, look, you're right, Rob, uh, the safety position is probably a little up for grabs right now. And if, if he can work through this off season and through training camp and really improve as a tackler, um, he does give you some explosiveness on the back end, which, you know, they didn't really have. The uh, big assumption at that right guard position is, is Cam Jurgens to win or lose. But when you look at the kid, they drafted Tyler Steen, a big kid, you know, yeah. is, is he NFL ready now? Or is he, a, is he? I don't want to use the term project, but does he have a ways to go before you can pencil him in as a starter? Um, you know, I would, that's hard for me to know. Cause I'm not there, you know, seeing yeah. him in practice. Yeah. My, my immediate response to that gunner would be no. Um, the okay. guy's was a four year starter in the sec at tackle. Okay? okay. And I thought his tape from 2022 was very good at tackle. Now he wasn't drafted to be a tackle because of the arm length. You know, there's many mm-hmm. coaches who strongly believe in that some more than others. Um, his arm length wasn't what you want at the tackle position. So he was not drafted to play tackle and he certainly wasn't going to beat out my Alata or Lane Johnson anyway. So that's not even a question. Um, mm-hmm. I think there's going to be a, a, a meaningful competition at right guard gunner between uh, Steen and Jurgens. Um, mm. You know, again, that's just my feeling because I like Steen's tape. Like I said, four-year starter in the SEC. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he's got a chance. He's a big dude. You know, he's, this is going to be, I don't want people to, you know, fall off their chair if they're listening or like walk into a car if they're on the street or something. But, you know, there's a little bit of a similarity potentially down the road with someone like Brandon Brooks, given his size. Okay. Oh, okay. That's you not know, bad. He's not that's Brandon a, Brooks now. I don't want people to no, think, no, you know, you. that's, that's right. what I'm saying. Yeah. But, you know, I think, you know, Steen's 6'6", six, six, about 325. He's a big man. Mm. I, that's, a, that's a good comp. That's, a, that's yeah. a comp to get excited about. That's for sure. There's no question. Greg, I'm, I'm curious, um, the, uh, of the top four quarterbacks that went, the, the Strouds, the, the yep. Bryce Youngs, who's the guy that you think can make the most immediate impact first of those guys? Throw well, Levis in there if you want to. Is, yeah, is there well, one you that know, you think will be the quicker transition to the NFL Levis game? is a fascinating guy. I happen to know someone who was on the Kentucky staff a year ago, and – Levis had two injuries that happened like week three, week four, and everything they worked on through August and through the first two, three weeks, they had to basically stop doing because he was all, he was basically told he shouldn't be playing. And he said, there's no way that's happening. I'm going to play, but he just, they couldn't do what they wanted to do. Right. I know scouts that went down there in, in August to watch Kentucky because that's what scouts do. They visit, you know, the team who said this guy's going to be the number one pick in the draft. This guy's unbelievable. And then it all went to, you know what, because he got injured. Um, so, again, he may not even start this year because they still have Ryan Tannehill. And, you know, we all know Mike Vrabel. He's not into rebuilding. He's into winning games. So we don't know how that's going to play out. But um, anyway, that was just an aside. Um, ooh, that's a tough question. Um you know, I, in an odd way, I think Anthony Richardson is going to be the mm. most intriguing guy because I think Shane's wow. going to run the Eagles offense. Yep. Um, and it's an offense that starts with the quarterback as a runner. Um, and because of what that does to the defense and what it forces defenses to do in terms of alignment, the pass game does not have to be that detailed. Um and I think so. You, I think Richardson. Again, I'm not saying every week's going to be a great week. That's you know we know that. That's not my point. But I, to me, Rob, he could be the most intriguing guy to watch this year of those four guys. And who better to work with them than Shane Steichen? I, I yeah. think it's a, it's a really nice marriage there for for his skill set. Without question. I mean, he's yeah. going to be there, Jalen Hurts. And again, I'm not saying he's Jalen Hurts as a rookie. And Jalen Hurts wasn't Jalen Hurts as a rookie. You know, but. It's the nature of that offense where it starts with the quarterback as a runner. See, I'm not sure people realize what that means for the defense. The defense has to do certain things in terms of alignment because of the quarterback as a runner on, on almost every play, unless, of course, it's, you know, third and 12. Um, then it's a different kind of running. Then it would be scrambling. But, um, you know, and that that makes the pass game in terms of the concepts that you use, it, it makes it less detailed. And, and, you know, and, and therefore easier for the quarterback as he's developing, you know, then as he develops, like with Jalen, there's more you can keep adding. But, you know, early on, it's less detailed because you, you don't have to run as many concepts because you know what the defense is going to be showing you. You know, Greg, when you look at this NFC East, obviously on paper, the Eagles have by far the best talent across the board. Who yeah. do you think the biggest threat to them is? I mean, Dallas adding Brandon Cooks. You got the second year of Dayball with the Giants now. Washington's biggest question mark is who's the quarterback. But when you look at the overall structure of those teams, who do, which of those teams do you think is the biggest threat to the Eagles? I think it's still Dallas. 
I mean, I think if Dak plays well, it's Dallas. Um, You know, they've got, they've got good players. You know, they're not a team with bad players. Um, So I, I, you know, I think, you know, obviously look, they made the playoffs a year ago. Um, They're a solid football team. Uh, You know, I think if Dak were to play at a high level, obviously uh, I'm a guy that when it comes to interceptions, you've got to look at each and every one, you you know, you can't just look at a number on, on a piece of paper. Um, you know, obviously the number that he had is is too high, and there were some that were clearly his fault and others that were not. Um, but I think if he plays at a high level, Dallas is still a really solid football team. Mm. Okay. With you there, Greg. Would you rank them as two behind the Eagles, or would it be San Fran? I just, the only thing I love. Oh, you mean in the, in the entire NFC, Rob? In yeah. the NFC, yeah. I just oh, okay. have trouble getting behind San Fran from a quarterback perspective because I just don't know what it's going to look like. Even – as good as Shanahan is, and it feels like you can plug a lot of different people in there and you're going to be fine. I still ultimately think there could be a spot where you're it's late in the game and you got to have that drive, whether it's Lance or Purdy or Darnold. I just don't know right now. What, what, yeah. Where do you sit with that? Um, I mean, I, I, I'm always leery of, of making a hardcore evaluation of a quarterback after one year. There's no question Purdy played at a high level. Um, we know that quarterbacks do play at a, at a high level in Kyle Shanahan's offense, and that's that's a tribute to both Kyle and the quarterback. Um, supposedly Purdy's going to be ready pretty soon. I mean, from what you read, who knows? Um, yeah, but I would, I would agree to a certain extent. You just don't know for sure. I mean, the guy played uh, what eight or nine, whatever number of games mm-hmm. he played and he played well. Um, they always run the ball. Well, they're always very multiple with what they do offensively. Um, they create a lot of things that make it by NFL standards, relatively easier for the quarterback. Um, and they do have good talent on offense. I mean, there's no question. I mean, you know, they got McCaffrey, they got Debo, they got Kittle, they got Ayuk. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I mean, you know, their offensive line, I think, still a little bit of a work in progress. Um, but they certainly have talented players, and their defense will still be really solid. Um, so, you know, they're, they're a really good team. I mean, your point is a good one, Rob. You know, we don't know the answer to that. Bringing it back to the Eagles for just a moment, do you think it's a far-fetched notion that this team should and, and would pursue – DeAndre Hopkins. I I personally, th- I don't know if he fits the so-called culture here. I think he has a lot of diva in him in a lot of ways. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> my guess is, and and unless they're they're really keeping something close to the vest, and we know nothing about it, my sense is they're not really in the mix. Mm-hmm. I mean, do you hear anything different, guys? I don't sense no, that, the, no. that the Eagles are in the mix for Hopkins. I mean, from what you hear with Hopkins, unless. And unless the market tells him otherwise, he's not looking for a one-year deal. I mean, he, he's looking to sign, yeah. you know, a three-four deal at a three-four-year deal at a good number. I don't think the Eagles would be willing to do that. I don't think they would see the need to do that. Um, you can debate that. Um, you know, obviously, I think the number three receiver is probably going to be an open spot through camp. Wouldn't you guys agree with that? Absolutely. I mean, probably is still the, the lead dog going in, but I think that if they feel that someone were, a, and I hate to use this term, but everybody use it. If someone were to step up, um, you know, that, that, that could be a clear battle, but I don't think they, you know, with what they have at tight end, with what they have with Brown and Devonta Smith, with what they have in the backfield now, um, because DeAndre Swift is a really, really good receiver. Gainwell was a, an unbelievable receiver in Memphis, and you can split him out um, as they did more and more as last year progressed. 
I don't think they see the need to spend money on DeAndre Hopkins. Mm. Greg, how intriguing, you just brought it up, how intriguing is the running back situation? It's interesting because there's a lot of talent, but you have two guys who are the lead dogs who have been hurt a lot too with Swift and, and Rashad Penny, but incredibly talented guys to go with Gainwell and Scott. How much do you like the Birds' backfield? I love the Birds' backfield. <clears throat> I mean, Penny. Penny's problem has been durability. He can't stay on the field. But it was not last year, but the year before, the last five, six, seven weeks of the season, he was the NFL's leading rusher, and it seemed like he was breaking off a 60-yard touchdown run every week. I mean, he's an explosive big back. Um, Swift is – I mean, I remember when Swift came out, and again, he's a local kid, as you guys know um, – you know, I, I almost saw him just – I'm talking talent now, okay? You know, I know he's had in, injuries as well. I almost saw him as like a a lower-level combination of Dalvin Cook and Alvin Kamara. You know, lower level. I mean, not – you know, uh, you, you can split him out. He's a great receiver. He's a really good runner. Um, you know, and, and the way the Eagles play, no one's getting – you know, 270 carries in this group. Although maybe I shouldn't say that because Miles ended up with what I think about 250 last year. But um, uh, you know, we'll see. But I, I really like their backfield, and I, I I loved Gainwell. So and and I think he started to show. And and they told you they like him more too because they played him more down the stretch. So you know, we don't have to guess about Gainwell. They told you that they like him for as well as Jalen Hurts played last year. Yeah. What are a few things you want you still want to see him improve on moving forward, if any? Um, you know, I think given the context of this offense, now you're looking for the little things, Gunner. I mean, this offense is is really, really well schemed around him. You know, and because you have to understand the foundation of the offense, it's really built on him because of what he forces defenses to have to do see that's the thing it's it's they have to play a certain way because of the run game element with Jalen Hurts and I'm talking about more normal down and distance situations obviously although they still have to do certain things even on third and long because he can scramble um so now you're just getting into I'm sure if a if a coach was was here and, and you gave him truth serum he would tell you that there's little things, that there's plays where, hey, he didn't see it as quickly as he should have. There's plays where he left the pocket a touch too early and he shouldn't have. There's plays where the ball came out a beat late and they just want to speed that up a little bit. You know, these are little things. You know, I mean, they're they're little, but they're not little. I mean, this is, this is what makes guys truly, truly special over a mm -hmm. long period of time. I mean, Jalen had an unbelievable year last year. That's without question. Yep. And the improvement he's made has been remarkable, truly remarkable. And that speaks so much to the kid. But there's always areas of which you can improve. I mean, I think to, you know, to listening to Josh Allen speak, at, you know, at the end, his end of the year press conference or whatever it was in Buffalo. And, you know, he's a pretty good quarterback, as we know. And he just said, hey, there's things I really need to get better at. You know, and I think that Jalen has that same kind of self-awareness. He understands that there's always something to keep working on, however minute, because everything in this league is about the details. And, you know, we that's how you become great, and that's how you stay great. It's all in the details. Mm. Greg, last one from me. The Eagles play the Patriots week one, and they're an interesting team, and they're 8-9 and nine last year. We know it's Belichick. We know – you know, he's going to have time to prep. He's he's looked at yeah. every angle of this thing. 
they add Bill O'Brien back into the mix. It was kind of a lost year for Mac Jones with, for whatever reason, the coaching situation, whatever. What do you think about him and the Patriots as a team going into the season? I think they'll be better on offense because of Bill O'Brien. I mean, we know what happened last year. You know, it was, I, I imagine if Belichick was being honest, he'd say it was probably a mistake. Um, so now they have a real offensive coordinator who's had success in the NFL. Um, you know, O'Brien's issue in, in Houston was never the fact that he was a bad offensive coach. Those were those were kind of front office issues. I mean, they were in the playoffs, what, four years in a row or something like that? I mean, he's a really good offensive coach. We saw what he did at, at, at Alabama. Um, we saw, oh, hey, look, you can almost go back to Penn State. Look what he did with Christian Hackenberg, and he left. And what happened to Christian Hackenberg? Mm-hmm. He's, I think he's now the, the quarterback coach at Winslow Township High School. You know, so, um, you know, uh, uh, they'll be better on offense without question. And they, they have be- you know, better talent now at receiver than I think people might think. So they'll be a really interesting team. Now, again, if week one games are, are odd. There's, there's almost there's no way to predict those games. You know, it, to me anyway, I don't know about you guys. I think they're impossible to predict. Greg, my, my final question is this. In, in this new age of football that we look at, what do you think about the Eagles – they have six minicamp practices, no mandatory minicamp in June, and then you hit the ground running in training camp. It's like yeah. everybody's practicing less now. Yeah, I don't think Dick Vermeil would be a big fan of this. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, that's just the way of the world. And and that's, you know, it, it almost – that's a great segue, Deegan, to what I said about week one. That's why you yep. almost have no idea what's going to yep. happen week one with, with all these games, you know. Sometimes they play true to chalk form, and other times you see stuff and you go, oh "My God, how did that happen?" You know, um, I, I, you know, see, I think again, I'm not getting into a debate between you know the collective bargaining agreement and all that, but I just think that it's bad for players, in my opinion. I'm not saying you need to be out there smacking helmets. That's not my point. You know, we understand you don't want to be doing that. No one would argue with that, but you know, to me, you want players to be able to be in the building with their coaches. You know, yep, yep. you know, just to, I mean, that's how you learn, you know, and I don't know all the rules. I don't follow all that stuff that closely, but I, you know, for guys who are later round picks, you know, or even not so later, like a Sidney Brown, you know, yep. learning a defense, you know, he's, he's a third round pick. They drafted him to compete for a starting safety job. You want him to be able to learn everything he can possibly learn, you know, in a short period of time, there's not a lot of time that's hard to do. You know, you know, all these defenses have all these checks and I mean, everything in football has all these checks and nuances and details and subtleties. And, you know, you don't pick those up real fast. And, you know, Mm. you want the player to be able to if he wants to spend time, wouldn't you like the the player to be able to spend the time? You know, hey, I work ridiculous hours. I, You know, I don't want I don't want someone at the door saying, sorry, you can't come into work today. You know, I want to come in and do what I do. You know, I, I like to think that helps me get better at my job. I think we all would want that. Yeah, well said, Greg. Well said. And, and listen, everybody, check out Greg on Twitter at Greg Cosell. And of course, the, the brilliant and, uh, analyst work that you continue to do, man. And uh, and you get to work with Sal Palantonio. Is it really, Greg? Is there anything better? I mean, is there anything better than Sal Palantonio? He's the man. We love Sal. We all love Sal. I've known Sal probably for over 25 years now. So wow. it's, been a, it's been a long time that I've known Sal. That's awesome. That's awesome. Greg, thanks for a couple minutes, man. Always you, appreciate it. Always fun chopping it up with you, man. Thank you very much. Appreciate it, guys. Thanks a lot. Take, Take care. care. That's Greg Cosell. Uh, always fun to discuss things with Greg and kick it around. I'm telling you, Gunner, that New England game is going to be way tougher than fans are anticipating. I, I think it is. You, you got you got great, the GOAT coming home. 
first game of the season in New England. Yep. Uh, O'Brien coaching Mac, coaching up Mac Jones. A Belichick upset. I can't say this enough. A Belichick defense will come to play. Yep. You, you, we don't know what the offense is going to look like, but we know that defense is going to come to play. And I think the Eagles win that game as we get closer to it. I don't think I'll deviate unless there's an abundance of injuries going into that first game. I'm not going to deviate. I think the Eagles on paper are the much better team, but yeah. I don't think it's going to be a blowout by any way, shape, way, shape, or form. No, I, I am in total agreement with you. Interesting stuff there from Greg. I, I like the, um, you know, his thoughts on Carter and Davis and just what they bring to the table and what a key Jordan Davis. You imagine a, a Jordan Davis this year, Gunner, in, in just NFL-ready shape, right, uh, dialed in here. And, and being able to provide what they thought he was when they moved him, moved up to get him his rookie year and fully healthy for the entire year, teamed up with, with Jalen Carter, that could be unbelievable in, in the middle of that defensive line. I would like to see him be this every-down player, but the way they like to rotate their linemen, I don't think that's going to happen. I do think his snap count is going to increase significantly compared to last year, but I don't think he's going to be that three-down type lineman. I think down in, down in situation, down distance, and situations will determine how much he's on the field. Yeah, I agree. I agree. All right, let's get a timeout in. We'll come back and we'll uh, we'll give you a little bit more on Nick Nurse. You know, we touched on it the first segment, but I, w- I want to dig a little bit deeper. We'll go back and look at his time with Toronto, what he brings to the table, how this is going to fit. There's also a, uh, a major uh, uh, news in the, G- in the GM world of the NBA, which we'll get into as well. Uh, Philly's a little bit later. Hey, in our NFL segment, this is going to be fun. We're going to look at the toughest to the weakest divisions uh, in the NFL. A little bit further on the Jimmy G story, uh, Le'Veon Bell's at it again. We thought we were done with Le'Veon Bell. We're not. And we'll, uh, we'll look at some destination points for DeAndre Hopkins. We'll get into all that kind of stuff when we come back. So don't go anywhere. He's Derek Gunn. I am Rob Ellis. We are Sports Take, Jacob Sports, YouTube Network. Let's talk about Jim Murray and Principal Financial Group because trying to find that right person – that person that you can trust with your hard-earned dollars is difficult. And I had a long time, you know, just, just going through different people and they weren't right, but I found the right person. And that's Jim Murray and Principal Financial Group. Whether it's retirement planning, 401k review, insurance review, might have a small business, you're trying to get your employee benefits off the ground. That's another resource that Jim can help you with. I know personally, I've entrusted my IRA, my 401k rollovers with Jim and Look, it's been the right choice. It will be for you to give him a call. 610-996-4751. 610-996-4751. Or you can email him, Murray, M-U-R-R-A-Y, dot Jim at principal.com. That's Murray, dot Jim at principal.com. Imaginations run wild and time stands still because here you can find the best of the Jersey Shore all on one five-mile island. So leave the old you behind and get lost in the woods. Wild, wild, wild. 
and save at Southeastern PA in Delaware with Colony Pools this football season. And let the experts close your pool with a custom Merlin safety cover in green for the birds. And if you join our winter watch team, we'll give you another 20% off and Colony Pools will handle it all. Keep your tiles on your pool, not in your pool. Fly with Colony right now, birds fans. Visit flywithcolony.com. Hi, everybody. My name is Jason Lombardi. I'm an inspector at DryTech. At DryTech, we offer three major services, the first one being basement waterproofing. The second service we offer is foundation and structural repairs. And then the third service that we offer is mold remediation. If you feel you are having a waterproofing issue, give DryTech a call or check us out online. I am Rob Ellis. He is Derek Gunn. We are Sports Take, Jacob Sports YouTube Network, hanging out with you on this. It, it, you got to adjust your brain a little bit to it's Tuesday, right, as, as opposed to Monday. It's got a little bit of a Monday feel, doesn't it? It does, man. It's like we're playing catch-up, you know? It's not bad. It's not a bad thing, but you just got to get yourself in the, in the right mindset for sure. You know, sometimes you don't mind a shorter week yeah, um, because it's like you're so swamped with everything else and you get this shorter week mm-hmm. and it helps the week go by quicker. Right. You know, in a lot no, of ways. Right. Yeah. You know, so, yeah. so in that regard, sometimes the short week, short week is, is, is good for the mind and the soul. Yeah. I hear you, man. I hear you. All right. So uh, we touched on it a little bit earlier. The Sixers hire Nick nurse. Now it came down to the Sixers and the Suns. by all accounts. It was his desire to coach and beat in his history with Daryl Morey who played into it again, he was hired by Maury uh, as a G League coach with the Rockets back in the day. It's funny, he, you know, he and Embiid have a history of kind of chirping at each other publicly. And Nurse, if you remember in the playoff series a few years back, complaining about foul calls. Um, and Joel said, I'm paraphrasing, but I said, I, right, I think right, he's a right. great coach. Uh, right. I think he does an awesome job. I, I do. But I just said to him respectfully, stop bitching about the calls. And it was, it was kind of funny. And, and Joel sort of handled it like, you know, professionally and, and not going overboard or anything like that. But it was one of those deals where you're like, oh, OK. Um, <laughs> but this is what I love, too, about sports, though. Like, OK, nobody's holding grudges, whatever. We went at it. Yeah. We, we, you know, we battled and, and you move on and it's all good. So apparently those guys are in, you know, in, in a good place right now. Uh, and, and, you know, they're good. So here, here's the deal with with Nurse. Very aggressive as a defensive coach, thought of in a lot of ways as an innovator. Uh, five seasons as the Raptors head coach, uh, 227 and 163, which is a 582 winning percentage. They won it in 2019. We know that uh, the, the four bounce, you know, Kawhi Leonard shot, but they win it that year. Uh, he wins coach of the year the following year where they go 53 and 19. Um, we mentioned will hold players accountable. 
he, he likes to mix it up defensively. He has no problem playing a little zone. He'll go some zone. He'll go full court press. Uh, he's a, he likes to do the sort of blitzing thing with certain players like Joel Embiid, where you throw a bunch of guys scrambling style defense. Um, now the knock is the last couple of years, his team really struggled to score the ball, especially in the half court set. Yeah. Now some of that is you lose players like Kawhi Leonard and some of the other quality players that you lose, you're naturally going to take a hit. So, uh, you know, there, there's, there's certainly positive and negative. I, I definitely think there's more positive than there is negative for sure. The way I see it is this, Rob. It was time for a change. You know, I think they had gone as far as they could with Doc Rivers, and that's not a knock against Doc. It's just that you never got past. Your your team never kept improving. It got to a point, and, and then it became stagnant, you know. And when that happens, it, it's it, teams teams always look to make a change. You know, you, you, you go so far, you have a formula. The formula worked to a certain degree, but it didn't get you to your ultimate destination. So what do you do? You start over. You start over with the coach, and hopefully you don't have to start over with a complete overhaul of personnel to try to get back and make it a little bit better than it was. Um, Nick Nurse is a really good coach. I know a lot of people don't like his style. That's understandable. A lot of people do, though. Um, And obviously he was highly coveted when when you hear all the rumors that, you know, Milwaukee was interested, Phoenix, Philadelphia. So obviously a lot of people in the NBA circles have a lot of respect for him. Um, I just want to see because if, if your kind of coach is not afraid to get in the grill of your star player as well as the last man on the bench, I want to see how he handles that. You know, because his star player here has never had anybody who's had to ride him for anything. And I don't want to see it get to a point where there's Un- unwarranted tensions in a locker room on a daily basis. And you start to hear these little rumors, you know, Joel Embiid doesn't want to play for Nick nurse. Nick nurse feels that he's the Joel is not excelling. Yeah. You want to hear that. Those are distractions you don't need when you're trying to put together a winning entity. And it's going to take some time between the two parties, the players getting a feel for Nick, Nick getting a feel for who and, and w- when he can use certain players in certain situations and then, of course, to what degree is he going to have a hand in terms of reshaping this roster? And uh, if yeah. he's, you know what I mean? Because yeah. the new coaches, all new coaches have a certain type of player they're looking for to run their offense and to play their defense. So it's going to be interesting to see um, exactly to what degree the complexion of this roster changes. We believe on the surface that it's not going to change much. But maybe we're not looking at some elements that the Sixers are already looking at that could see not an overhaul, but 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 a change in key elements on this team. Yeah, and that's the that's the hard thing to to figure out right now is just just how dramatic the changes are going to be and and how you want to maybe reshape this roster to make it fit what Nurse likes to do as opposed to maybe what Doc Rivers like to do or what Brett Brown like to do. That part we don't know. It would appear they have limitations from a cap standpoint. Yep. from just a personnel standpoint. And, of course, there's there's the giant specter of Harden hanging over everything. We don't know. That that changes so many different things if he's here or he's not here and the way you go about things. And can you move Tobias Harris? So it it's hard to handicap this team right now, Derek, to what they're going to look like or how good they're going to be because we have no idea right now if Harden or Harris, right. who are two right. starters and two huge right. pieces of this thing, are going to be here. But, but back to, to real quick with the Doc thing. Um, I'm sorry with the with the nurse thing and, and Joel 
in terms of holding him accountable. You know, it goes one of two ways. Let's look at the positive first. The positive is Joel accepts some tough love. He, he accepts constructive criticism. He realizes that whatever he was doing the last nine years of his career wasn't enough to get past the second round and is willing to accept and take that on, right? So that, that's, the, that's the positive of this. Like That's if you're looking at it glass half full, okay? Now, the, the half-empty part is it, it just doesn't rub him the right way. He and Nurse don't see eye to eye. They don't get along. And he gets to the point where he says, you know what? I don't think I'm going to win a championship in Philadelphia. Uh, I've accomplished the MVP. I've made all-star games. I've gotten paid. I want to win one before my career is over. Right. I want to go somewhere else, like a lot of other superstars do in this league. That's the downside of this thing is, you know, we could be a year away from him saying, it ain't working for for me here. Move me on. That, but but to me, you're, you're at a crossroads if you're the Sixers. Like, it ain't working the way, it's, the way you've been going about it right now. So take a shot. And then if Joel Embiid forces your hand, then you're going in a completely different direction. That's the way I view it. Like, I don't care, frankly, if he doesn't like it. And if, if that results in him wanting out, then it's probably time to move on anyway because you're not winning anything. Yeah, you know, and, and JM here in our chat brings up a good point. He says, I hope he tries to develop the young guys, unlike Doc. Great point. Yeah, I, want, I want to see a much more a deeper, versatile bench. I want to see what he can get out of some of these guys that were forgotten entities. I want to see Melton become more of an integral part of this offense. I want to see, you know, in some ways, Niang have more freedom. You know, um, I, I look, at, I compare it to Miami. You know, Miami has a lot of interchangeable parts. You know, and I think Jimmy Butler said it best. Each and every day, our guys are called on to do something different. And I want to see a roster like that. I mean, it was good enough for an eight seed to get all the way to the NBA Finals. And I do believe the uh, the the the, uh, the Phillies, the um, the Sixers do have the components on the bench to make them more of an integral and productive part of the team flow. Mm-hmm. For whatever reason, Doc had his favorites and, and kept playing those guys, and very seldom would he play some of the other guys. We were wondering why are they on the bench if you're not even going to give them a chance. Mm-hmm. So I hope Nick Nick starts with a, a fresh, clean slate, looks at everybody and everything openly and comes up with a formula where, you know what, this guy is good for three or four-minute stretches. I know I can use him early in the third and fourth quarter to give us a spark and then go back to other guys if I have to. I, I hope it's more of a variety of how Nick forces you to defend his team on a daily basis. What are you smiling about? Somebody waving I, at you? Uh, yes. <laughs> uh, was it a female? Uh, maybe. <laughs> uh-huh. Look at you blushing. You over there flirting with Maggie? Maggie's flirting at Panera. Maggie? <laughs> I'm just what, just I'm what Adam? You. <laughs> no, you're flirting. It's that. It's that. It's the smile thing. Oh, you acknowledge God. their presence. See, I, you know, you know and, just, and Adam, I can't be. I don't want to be rude. I say hi. Yeah, That's yeah, all. Okay, whatever. Adam, Adam's exploits just said, "Hey, how can we buy Rob a drink at Panera Bread?" See, it's, <laughs> and I'm, I'm I'm looking at you. You got that Cheshire cat grin on your face. You look. But I know Eddie, that you ain't smiling like that. I know she Eddie must and have. Duck been, and me, Kevin. Hey, yes. Let, go me, ahead. let me ask you this: Based on the smile on your face. Yes. Was she strong? Yes. Really? Yes. Look at you. you. You can't stop blushing, just, dude. Are you I, serious? Yes. The answer, answer your question, everybody. Yes. Strong. Yes. Um, would make the strong list. For sure. If I were you, I wouldn't go home after the show. There's been, some, there's been some talent out on the uh, lunch break. We'll just leave really? it at that. Yes, really? there's been some talent here. Yeah. Um, All right. Your job, your job in the next commercial break 
is to take some still so we can grade the talent. <laughs> now you're really trying to get me in trouble. Um, anyway, so I have no idea what you're just talking about. Oh, yeah, Nick Nurse. All right. So, uh, um, no, but I, I think that, too, you wonder this is where we're also going to find out how adaptable Nick Nurse is. What I mean by that is, you know, he does like to do things a certain way. And you can only do so much to over to make over your roster. He's going to have to adapt to, to just frankly, to some of the players who are here, but just to get back to the point that you were talking about, I think the JM made um, what I, what really drove me nuts about doc was a couple of things. Like clearly Paul Reed should have been backing up Joel Embiid the entire season and getting the minutes when Joel Embiid was not in the game. We had to go through like Montrez Harrell and they bring in Dwayne Dedman. Like for what? It was clear to everybody that, that, that Paul Reed could play. And I, I get he can be frustrating sometimes and he'll commit a bad foul here or there. But you know what? The guy was aggressive. The guy hustled. You know, he, he yes, changed the yes. impact of the game when he came in, you know, and, and, and you saw that. And, and that was but, – but Doc just had this thing against the guy. And I think part of it was because he was younger. It drove me crazy. Do you bring, if you bring in a Nick Nurse, you have to give him the freedom – to do what he needs to do, to implement his culture, his way of doing things. Uh, and I believe that's why Nick took the job saying, okay, hey, wait a minute. Are you going to give me a, a elbow room to do this, that, or the other? Yeah. You have to. What you had what you had worked to a certain degree, and then it's, it, it stopped itself. Yeah. Give him a chance to, re, to, to repaint the landscape, so to speak. Mm-hmm. You know, you're going to be doing it with basically the same pieces. Can you get better production out of those pieces? Yeah. You got to give me the leeway to attempt to do something like that or else my coming there is futile, plain and simple. Well, I, I will tell you this too. Um, I, like I said, I want it nurse more than anybody else, but I am thrilled that it's not Mike D'Antoni. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm happy it's not Budenholzer. I mean, you, you watched the, the lack of adjustments up close and personal with Budenholzer over the years. And granted, the guy did win a championship. There's no doubt. Um, but there were some there were some other candidates that really, frankly, didn't move the needle at all for me. And I, I think, to the Sixers' credit, you know, they landed their guy. Um, and and, and it, it, I would guess, considering the guy in Phoenix, who's, I think, a little crazy, probably backed up a Brinks truck to try and get him there. They right, probably paid right. they probably paid Nick Nurse very, very well. So I give the, I, I will give him that. I won't throw a lot of compliments Josh Harris's way, but I'll give him props for this. They they closed the deal, and you have to think that Maury and the, and the head coach are very much simpatico, like they're in sync with each other and, and of the same beliefs. And I, all that can do is help, I think, when, when you're trying to coach a team and bring in personnel to fit what the coach likes to do. So I think that's a positive. Well, I, I also wonder, did the Milwaukee Bucks do the 76ers a favor by hiring Adrian Griffin, who was the Raptors' assistant coach? You know, because there was also a rumor that Nick Nurse was the Bucks' number one candidate. Yeah. You know, for a while. And then all yes. of a sudden, you hear the story about Giannis had a hand in getting uh, Adrian Griffin signed yep. as the new head coach of the Bucks. So I wonder, could Nurse have gone to Milwaukee had he not uh, Milwaukee gone in a different route? And yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, no. And that was that to me was a very positive sign when I saw that over the weekend that Adrian Griffin was going there. I mean, I figured it came down to the Sixers and the Suns. For nurses, because where else would he go? He wasn't. He wasn't obviously going back to Toronto. He wasn't going to go to, you know, so, uh, was he Detroit? That's open. He is. He's not right. going to those places. Not at this point in his career. Um, so I figured it was coming down to one of those two. I, it's going to be an interesting press conference to, to hear what the actual. I think he's going to heap a lot of praise on Maury. He's going to heap a lot of praise on 
on Embiid, but he's going to get asked about James Harden. He is. And, and that therein could be, could be a tell to how he answers that. Because I, there are some people that believe that considering Maury and, and Nurse are like-minded, that this means that James Harden's coming back. I don't know that it definitely means that. I, I don't know that for sure. But people believe that it, it, it's probably more likely that he's back. That part, like we talked about, is disappointing to me. Here's, here's how I think that answer will go. But it's an answer I will listen to very closely for body language. You know what? James Harden is a great basketball player, a future Hall of Famer. It is a situation that we will have to look at closely. And if it benefits our club, absolutely, we would want a James Harden here. But James Harden also has to want to be here. So I think that's how the answer will go in, in so many words. You cover all your bases. You don't tell anybody nothing. You just let them know, yes, we're aware of the situation. We know we know what James Harden could mean to this team, but we also know James Harden could possibly have other interests. But it has to fit both financially and personnel-wise for James Harden to be here. Yeah. That's the best way to get out of that right now. And yeah. then you have to wait out the summer to find out exactly what they do. I'll tell you, the other thing I'd be curious about, and I don't think we would get any kind of answers like this in, in any kind of press conference setting. I, I, I'm sure this kind of stuff will come out eventually, but I wonder if they reached out in any way, shape, or form to Jay Wright or Don Staley. Just put mm. a feeler out. You know, I wonder. And it could have been a situation where both were like, hey, thank thanks, you. Thanks, but no thanks. Yeah. I'm good where I'm at, whatever. If that, that's the case, obviously. it's it, the, the point is is moot. But, yeah, I, I'm, I'm that would be interesting to me, and I'm, I hope – you know, one of the insiders digs around a little bit and maybe we get some insight on that. I don't know. I, I frankly, I know they, I think they, they put out some feelers to Jay the last time when Doc was hired. Right. Jay wasn't quite ready to step away from Villanova at that time. Um, but for everything I've heard, Derek, with him is he really likes his life right now and he doesn't yep. need yep. That, that heat, that pressure. He can, he, he is, you know, he doesn't lose any games, you know, sitting on the set at CBS. So and he really he's enjoying that part of his life. So well, well you know, think about it. Instead of instead of traveling weeks at a time, and especially in the summer when you're out on a recruiting trail, trying to secure you know players that make your program better, you have your entire summer off. Yep. You you have to be in a studio once a week, so you only have to travel for maybe 24 to 48 hours max to be in a studio. You still have the rest of your week to sit at home and study. You know, watch games. Mm-hmm. You get to sit back. You, you, you get to sit back as a lifelong coach now and just watch games and analyze players. Yeah. You don't have to worry about formulating game plans. How are these kids getting their grades, right. travel, all that good stuff? You know, that's a lot of burden on any person, let alone an entire staff. Yeah. Are my kids staying out of trouble? Are you, are you being productive in a classroom? <clears throat> um, why would you want to do anything else if you're Jay Wright? You know, think about how many coaches, Rob, never get a sniff at winning a national championship. Yeah. He's he's won two in his career. Mm-hmm. He's made all the money. Villanova's basically opened Fort Knox yep. at his feet and, yep. and paid him handsomely. What what else does Jay Wright want to do? He's yeah. in his early 60s. He's like he still has a lot of life ahead That's of him. That's the thing. He's got a lot of life in front yeah. of him to enjoy. You know, I I, I like if you're a lifer and you're Larry Brown and you can never get it out of your system, that's fine. That, that no problem. But you want to work to your right, lady, right. God bless you. But to, I think too often people work until they're they're at an older age and they don't have much time left and they regret it. You're going to get a couple of years. Yep. If, yep. You know, you've made the kind of bank that Jay Wright has made. 
to the victors go the spoils, man. Go enjoy it. Yeah, yeah. And if you can enjoy it and still make a, a, a high six or seven figure salary, which he is for less work, yep, for a lot less. Work, why Sign wouldn't you do up. it? Yeah, Sign me up. Why, man. why wouldn't you do it? Exactly, exactly. Yeah, and, and look, and, you know, people automatically assume when it comes to Dawn Staley, like, oh, she wants to just you know, climb another mountain, and and do, maybe Dawn Staley's happy where she's at. That's okay too. She's dominating the, the you know college women's college basketball scene, and she's in a nice place to live. You know, God bless. You know, that's hey, the way you, I look you, at it. Your money goes a lot further in South Carolina than it does Philly. Yes, yes. You know? And yep. and she's and she's the, and she's at the top of the pecking order in the whole state of South Carolina. Yep. You know, and her recruiting trips are academic because she's getting the best crop of players in that region. Exactly. Because because of the the pedestal she has put that program on. Mm-hmm. Why would she want the headache of dealing with the NBA night in and night out? Right. Who would? Yep. I mean, I agree with you. There are a lot of assistant coaches salivating at their prospect, but in people like Don Staley, um, who, who's very comfortable where she is, and mm-hmm. Jay Wright, who's now enjoying life, having more time for himself instead of university. Right. Why would Why would you want to give that up now? I hear you. I hear you. All right, let's come back uh, and let's talk a little Phillies, Derek, because we sit here right now uh, and they played 53 games. They are 25 and 28 after Memorial Day. And that's when people sort of turn the calendar and start digging in a little bit, you know, and, and, and saying, OK, it's, it's no longer early. Right. So we right. will uh, we'll just we'll talk right. a little Phillies when we get back. I'm going to run some numbers at you. Some are good, some are bad here. You tell me what you think. In the two o'clock hour, we will get our, into our NFL segment and our NFL discussion as well, including Jimmy G, Le'Veon Bell, uh, DeAndre Hopkins, Kenny Pickett, and we're going to rank the toughest through the weakest divisions in the NFL. We'll do all of that when we return. Don't go anywhere. I'll give you a little Phillies news, too. They have added three to this year's Wall of Fame. Three folks going into the Wall of Fame. We'll tell you who it is. Uh, When we come back, he's Derek Gunn. I am Rob Ellis. We are Sports Take, Jacob Sports YouTube Network. Let's talk about pro-action restoration. You got a home, you got a business, you have a property you own. If you go through the inconvenience and pain of water, fire, smoke, mold damage to that property, you know how trying that can be, and you're not really sure who to turn to. Well, ProAction Restoration are the people that you turn to. They're on call 24 hours, seven days a week to assist. I know I've gone through it with my parents at their place years ago. I reached out to ProAction Restoration on a Saturday. They got right out. They cleaned up the place. The crew was professional. The price was right. I mean, every box was checked. They are licensed, bonded, and fully insured. ProAction Restoration has been serving the tri-state area for more than two decades. They will also work in conjunction with your insurance company. So again, it could be water, it could be fire, it could be smoke damage, mold remediation. You name it, they can handle it. Give them a call, 610-623-3760, 610-623-3760. Or you can reach out to them online at ProActionRestoration.com. That's ProActionRestoration.com. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. And the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit. And the hits. Go for the stakes. And the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. 
Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. The greatest fans on earth. It's a bold statement, but would you expect anything less from Philadelphia? 58 years of heartache creates a toughness, a grit, a resolve not found in most. Sure, our prayers were answered, but now that we've had a taste, we're looking for more. Pondley Hockey, official partner of the Philadelphia Eagles. Go passionately. Go fearlessly. Go confidently. Go first! Go confidently towards your goals with First Trust, Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years, and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with con- The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Go with trust. And go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh, and go birds. All right, did you know I was the mommy slam dunk champion? Really? (laughs) Yes, really don't sound so surprised. Let's see it. Oh, you're ready. All right, here we go. Let's hear the crowd. Go to right, go to left. Fake a mama. Mama, go. She did it. Again, you can't avoid gravity, but United Healthcare can help you avoid financial surprises by helping you compare costs and doctor quality ratings. United Healthcare. Uh huh.
We're back. Yes, we are. Rob Ellis, Derek Gunn, hanging out with you on this Tuesday. Man, Derek, we the countdown is on. We got two days left in the month of May. It'll be June no, Thursday. no. Yes, sir. Yes, yes. Your month is coming to an end. But here's the positive: you like the warmer weather, so it's oh, getting yeah. warmer. So there you go. I gave you a little, little glass half full for you. I'm yeah, positive you know Pete today. Last last year at this time. It got hot in the month of May and it stayed hot both the day and night. Yep. Now it's it's like in the 70s and uh, during the day and dropping 30 degrees at night to the 50s. Mm-hmm. And and so it's like getting adjusted. And just when you're starting to loosen up, man, that, that cold, chill air comes comes settling in at night. But better days are coming. You know, hotter it, days are coming, my friend. It was perfect. It's been perfect sleeping weather, man. You just open those windows, man. It is it is nice. It oh, is not, a, nice. not in my house. It's AC and, and ceiling fans all over the place, too. <laughs> yeah, I don't know, man. See, I'm I need like you're we're totally different in this sense. Like you like to be warm when you sleep. Yes, I, I yes. like it cold when I sleep, man. I, I really oh god, yeah. Oh yeah, man. I, I like it. Like I'll have the windows open and the ceiling fan on, and it is like a it's like a freezer in there this like this time of year it's perfect i love it my wife has a ceiling fan and a stand fan next to her side of the bed and then the ac is at 68 oh yeah and i'm sleeping on the other side i got the covers up over my neck you know i'm like i I just give up i said look when the ac breaks don't ask me to get it fixed because i told you you're overusing it now but Oh. You know what? It is what it. Hey, Tone. Tone said. Uh, he said, "Digun, you wrong for that for calling you out last segment. You are, I didn't he, call you out. I just wanted you, to know why you were smiling. Thank you, Tone. I'm just. I friendly. didn't call you out. I can't huh? be friendly towards people. I, you know, I, I'm a nice guy. There's, there's a difference between saying, "Hey, how you doing?" and all of a sudden you're like this. <laughs> See, I knew exactly what it was when you did it. I knew. I said, "But I got. I got to call him out on this one." Maybe, I got maybe, maybe I if we have. Um, if there's another strong candidate and they seem interested in coming on, I'll, I'll sit them down next to me and I'll have them join the show. Yeah, okay. that? yeah. Hey, Tone says we like happy homes on this show. D gun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Trust me. Uh, I, I'm getting the roof fixed. Oh, what happened? Rob Ellis dropped out. All I heard was a click and, and Rob is gone. Tone. Can you enlighten me in terms of what happened here? Um, because I'm not seeing or hearing Rob right now. I, I don't um, know. Where, there he is. What happened? I don't, I don't know. Did you get another friend walk by? No, 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 no friends walked by. I promise. Hey, no. Philly sports, Philly sports hustle said Rob's wife just walked in. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh, that's awesome. That is awesome. No, I'm here. Look, I'm here, man. Moose, Moose, Moose wing Bella said Rob has that flirty smile. Yes, he does. That's why I want to know what's going on. JM said, "Look, JM said Panera kicked him off the Wi-Fi." <laughs> Bank I, Doritos says, "Bank Doritos says Barrett got him." Yeah, right. Uh, no, oh. I, I, uh, I always. So what I do is, if I'm, if I'm doing, they're, they're very nice here. Let me just say that. Shout out to the, uh, the Panera and the Lawrence Park Shopping Center in Broomall. Shout out. Uh, but I always, I always purchase something. Like I had to do something a little bit earlier. And I and I bought something. I had done something today. I bought something before I sit down. I don't just sit here and, and mooch off the Wi-Fi. I, I I take care of the place, so we're good. Anyway, I was just about it. to ask you: Did you buy a sandwich or a soup? I did. I did get something. Yeah. Oh, they have, they have really good food. I'm I'm a big yeah, fan of Panera. Oh, I love do. their salads. Like they're they're yeah. strong, man. I love their soups. 
Yeah. Uh, let's see. Rob. Rob is duck wins is. Rob is bringing home flowers tonight. <laughs> it might be a good move. Might be a good move. I might. Maybe I have to. Um, all right, Philly. So let me start with this one. They have um, three inductees into the into the 2023 uh, Wall of Fame. They are Scott Rowland, who is uh, who is going into the Baseball Hall of Fame this summer. Yeah. Uh, he won eight gold gloves during his career, seven all-star games. 2006, he won a World Series with the Cardinals. Uh, and the Wall of Fame night is July 23rd. Uh, but he was a 1993 second-round pick for the Phillies. He was the 97 NL Rookie of the Year. He won four gold gloves with the Phillies. Uh, had really good you know, numbers, 282 average, 373 on-base percentage with the Phillies, a 504 slugging, 150 home runs, drove in 559, and stole 71 bases. So – um, you know, certainly a guy worthy of the Phillies wall of fame. Uh, they're also putting in John Quinn, who fans probably aren't as familiar with Derek, but um, interesting background with him. He was the Phillies GM from 1959 to 72. Now he moved on before the team got really good, but he's yep. the guy who drafted Mike Schmidt, Steve, okay. who traded okay. for Steve, helped trade for Steve Carlton. Who brought, who drafted Larry Boa or signed Larry Boa as I think is an undrafted free agent? Who, who you know, Greg, Greg Lazinski, Bob Boone, like all those guys who were the core to that run from '76 through '83 or '80 when they won a World Series. So he was there. Um, so he's going in. I, I'm not sure if he's still with us or not. Um, and then there's Willie Carpenter, Willie Carpenter, who was the Phillies president from '72 to '81. Um, his family bought the Phillies in the forties or the fifties. And then he became, you know, the guy who kind of ran the show for them for a very long time. So um, that, the, you know, that, the three pretty good ones, I think that are going in and really Carpenter was a guy who didn't love the direction that baseball was headed in like 81, 82 right, and ended up right. selling the team. I wonder, I wonder if he has any regrets because the, the game just blew up so much financially, yeah, but yeah. he didn't like where it was going with free agents, et cetera. Mm. So, yeah. Did I ever tell you my uh, great Scott Rowland story? I think I shared with you about uh, – did I ever tell you that story? No. Um, um, So, you know, I got here in 97, as a lot of us did, who were not from Philadelphia when we started Comcast Sportsnet. Right. And um, when we hit the ground running, you know, we all had to to cross-train, just like Jeff Stoutland. all hands on deck. With offensive linemen. We had to – you know, one day I'm covering the Flyers, the next day Eagles, next day I'm covering the Phillies. So by the next year, you know, I got to know, you know, we got to know the players and they got to know us by name. So I got, you know, I was on a friendly basis with uh, Scott Rowland. Yeah. So I'm out of King of Pressure Mall one day with my wife and we just lost, lost Rob Ellis again. Rob, are they kicking you off the Wi-Fi? Did you not buy enough goodies, Rob, basically, uh, to, to sit there and get the free Wi-Fi? No. I'm, did, I, he, did he give you the wrong password or something? No. So here's what, here's what it is. Here, here's, here's what happens. So when I go into the private chat, okay, or, or, the, or the comment section, I'm sorry, uh, it, it, I mistakenly hit login instead of going. I'm trying to toggle back and forth between the comments and the private chat. So I mistakenly hit login. When you hit login, it yeah. takes you out. It, it actually does the opposite, weirdly enough. It won't happen again. I'm good. I'm sorry. So Scott Rowland, okay. you went over to cover right. it in so, the early days so, of Comcast Sports. So, yeah, yeah covering covering and um. So the, the following summer, 98, I'm out right. of King of Pressure Mall with the wife. Yep. And um, walking around, and I hear this voice, Gunner. And I turn around to Scott Rowland. So we, I said, what the, what the heck are you doing out here? So we're just standing there chatting. His girlfriend um, was in a store, and my wife was in another store. 
And so we're just talking, waiting for 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 you know better halves to come out. And so my wife comes out, and she walks. I say, "Hun, I just want to introduce you to Scott Rowland." You know, and she follows sports, but she casually follows sports. Yeah. Not an average sports fan. Yeah. So the first thing out of her mouth is, "Oh, nice to meet you." What producer are you? Oh my god! And I'm like, I start, and Scott and I look at each other, and we bust out laughing, right? <laughs> I said, "No, honey, plays for the Phillies." And she goes, "Oh, I'm so sorry." <laughs> but ever since I saw Scott rolling after, I was like, "Hey, producer, can you come here a second? You know, That's funny. That man. was a running joke with us. Yeah, yeah. Now, like he was, a, he was a complicated guy, right? It, it was, it was a time when the Phillies weren't good. It, this was pre, uh, you, you know, it was, it was the end of the vet days. Uh, it was it was hard to attract free agents here. It w- it was a tough time. It really was. And he got to the point where he was he the Phillies offered him a pretty good contract, um, and he didn't want it. He wanted to go somewhere else with the, with a chance to win, and he did. And, and and that rubbed a lot of Phillies fans the wrong way. He was yep, also, yep. I think you you would even say Derek, he was a quiet guy, and he was also could be kind of moody sometimes. And and that didn't rub people, you know, all that well. So it, it was a lot of different things. I don't think anybody doubted the guy's ability and just how good he was. But well, I, I, I think I think it was, I think it was time for him to move on, and probably time for the organization to move on. I won't say Moody, um, and, and I'm not that I'm disagreeing with you, but yeah. I've never I've never looked at him at Moody. But he was he was he was a very quiet individual. Yeah, he didn't say a whole lot. He was never going to give you anything that you can grasp and use on your platforms. Yeah. He would he would give you the standard cliche answers right. that you expect to be given after a game or you know at a practice or a spring training. He'd give you the company lines. And sometimes it was frustration. It's like, man, you're Scott Rowland, dude. Come I mean, seriously, give us something. But you know, he wasn't like that. He wasn't about that. You know, he he I think he came where, where was he from? Indiana. He's from Indiana. Yeah, yeah, he was very he, he wanted to play baseball. But he hated the other side of it, the, whether it's the media side or being a star or, or all that kind of thing that some guys, fl- you know, really flourish in those situations. He did. Yeah. He just wanted to play baseball and go yep. home and, and be left to his, you know, to himself. Do you, sh- you think he'll show up for the. Oh, uh, yeah, I certainly think he'll show up. I, I do. I mean, that's a big honor. When you go on a team's wall of fame, that's an honor. So you think yeah, fans think will boo or cheer him um, because I, of the I way really he left? I really hope they cheer. I think there will be yeah. a scattering, uh, smattering of booze, but I, I think that there, the majority of them will be cheers. Like the same thing kind of happened with Jason Worth when he came back. Yeah. You know, at, at yeah. first people, I didn't, I didn't fault him. Washington threw a bags of money at him and he took it. I don't fault guys for doing that. Um, but, but there were some hard feelings for a while, and then he got a lot of love. It was one of their, it was like the ten year reunion of the uh, 2018, whatever. But I, I think that. You know, time has a, a way of healing some wounds. You know what I mean? And, and people move on. I, I, I don't think he's ever going to be beloved in this city. But I think when he's honored in that way, I think there'll be cheers for him. I do. Like, I think it's time and place. I I, I get cringe. That's cringeworthy for me if he would get booed yeah. in that setting. You know? Yeah. I mean, let bygones be bygones. I mean, exactly. the past is the past. The fact that he's coming back and he's going to be put up on that wall of fame, that yeah. should be enough for fans. Appreciate what he get. I mean, let's face it. He was playing on some bad Phillies teams then. Yeah. You know, let's just appreciate him for what he was and what he I gave agree. the city. I you know, agree. everybody's not cut out for Philadelphia or New York or Boston or Chicago or, yep. you know. Like Bryce city. Harper embraces it. He eats yes. it up. He feeds off of it. That's just yep. the way he's wired. Not everybody's wired. Jimmy Rollins, the guy was built for the spotlight. He was a red light player. Yep. Scott yep. Rollins wasn't that, that kind of guy. Sills no. asked the question, uh, 
you think Roland was better than Beltre? I think it's close. Ooh. I I would lean towards Beltre. Uh, I would but, also. But look, both really good, man. You're not you're not losing a whole lot with either one of them. I think Roland was. Both guys were incredible fielders. Both guys had great range, had cannons for arms. You know, Beltre broke in when he was really young, like 19. Roland, I think he was like 22 or 21. So, look, I think they're both really good. I really yeah, both, both players hit to all fields well. Mm-hmm. You know, they were very, very, very disciplined at the plate. Yeah. They would take a pitch where instead of trying to pull every pitch, they would go with the pitch. Uh, they were both very good at utilizing it, it, the, the field from sideline to sideline. Um, but in terms of just overall athleticism, I would have to say I'd, I'd lean towards Beltre just a little bit more than Scott Rowland. Yeah, no question. All right, so let's go present day here, Derek. So they split the series with the Braves, as we talked about. They're 25 and 28 on the season. So they played 53 games. Interestingly enough, if you go back to last year, yep. you realize they were 24 and 29. There was only a one-game difference. So they had one less win, one more loss. But that was, that was two games in to when Joe Girardi took over. So you believe it, it had already it had happened right around this time. You remember it was like June 2nd or something like that. It was right around right, this time. Right. And they, they proceeded to win eight in a row when Girardi took over and got on a run. Okay. Um, so And that's the thing we're kind of still waiting to see here from the Phillies is a run. We haven't seen a really extended run from them. You know, it feels like okay. all season. But okay. here's, here are the things that have disappointed uh, early. They're 21st in runs per game at just 4.28. They're 26th in, in batting average with runners in scoring position. They're 26th in walks. So you're talking about bottom, you know, bottom 21 in runs, average with runners in scoring position, and walks. I mean, there, there are three categories that this offense should not be that bad at. They should absolutely not be that bad at when you add it at a Trey Turner, et cetera. Now, the other thing that's hurting them is their starters – have a 5.02 ERA. That's 24th in, in the league. Uh, Philly's fifth starter spot is one and nine in the 10 starts. So if you're, if you're looking for areas why this team, will, and we'll get into the individuals in a minute, but if you're looking for, for team areas, why this team's struggling, it's right there. They have to get deeper in their starting rotation. Right now, they don't have three consistent starters in their rotation, let alone trying to find a fifth starter. Your front three starters are not state. You know, uh, Nola got rocked again last Thursday, you know, in sixth inning, gave up eight hits in five runs, I believe it was. Uh, Wheeler pits well, but you don't know which Wheeler's going to step on the hill. Suarez hasn't found his niche yet. The runners in scoring position thing is getting, it's old. It's getting old now. You know, that's killing this team. Not being able to push runners across in scoring position is killing this team. For the life of me, I cannot believe this is going to be the theme for the rest of the season. There's just too much talent across the board with this team for this to continue happening. We know this happens in baseball all the time. We know this. But with this team, it's too deep and too talented. You have enough offense to overcome most of your pitching deficiencies. You know, and and look at the back end of the bullpen. You know, hopefully Alvarado gets healthy soon. Uh, Soto's got a pitch. Soto pitches like an all-star, all-star candidate one night and pitches like a softball candidate the next night. <laughs> it's crazy. I can't figure I can't figure him out. The dude can throw a hundred and he, he's mowing people down one night and the next night he can't get it out. You know, Kimbrell's the same way. You don't know which Kimbrell's going to step on the hill. You know, I can't figure this team out to save my life. There's just too much talent 
across the board for this team to be sitting where they're sitting right now. It can't go to it can't be the constant theme for July for, for June, July, and August. Yeah. Or this will be one of the biggest embarrassments this organization has ever had. Yeah, like to me, if I if you're asking me right now as we sit here at June 30th, and, and I had to put my finger on three three guys who have to step their game up or else they won't even be a wild card. Number one, Trey Turner. Trey Turner hitting 243. Gunner, he's got a 288 on base. I mean, that is not him. No. 383 slug, 671 OPS. So he's he's number one, and he's probably the most obvious one. But if I go, if I went to a number two, it would be the guy who's pitching tonight. It would be Ranger Suarez. If yeah. you can get stability out of your top three, right? I think I think Wheeler's about to go into Wheeler mode. Like he's he was he was phenomenal. I mean, he was the Braves couldn't do anything with him the other day. Like I think he's he's right there now. You got Wheeler. You get Nola starting to go with a little bit of consistency, and then you throw Suarez in there. You're, you're good one through three. So I think if that's the situation, you're good, like if you get those two guys going. But what also has to happen, and this typically happens in June, I'm sorry, we make a lot of excuses for Kyle Schwarber. And I know what a leader he is. I know he's, you know, with the home run prowess that he has, 13 home runs, 27 runs. But, dude, 168, that's the best you can do. 168, come on. Dude, he's not a high average hitter, Rob. He's never going to be a high average hitter. But 200 isn't too much to ask. Dude, think about this. He hit two what, 225 last year, 226, something like that. He had 46 home runs. He's a home run expert, Rob. He's either going to hit it out of the park or barely hit it at all. So you're going to have to live with that. That's what you hired him to do. You hired him to clear bases. And that's it. You look at his entire career. He's never been a high uh, average type guy. You know, and you're not going to get that from him here. You're right. 167. That Come on, man. That's a little suspect. But if he gets to 220, I'll take that. I mean, that's the best you're going to get with him. Look, I'll live with 220 if you're hitting 40 home runs, right? If you're driving in 90, 100 runs. I'm cool there. He's got to be better than that because the problem is, too, unfortunately with the Harper situation, because he can't play the outfield. Like, if, if Harper could play right, you'd put Castellanos in left. Right, and you, could, you right. could just DH Schwarber and never have to deal with him out there. But, he, you know, he hurts you in the field because he has, so, he has such a limited range and, and not a particularly strong arm either. So he hurts you there and he hurts you you know, at the plate. Um, but that's got to get better. There are positives though. I mean, Castellanos has been awesome. Like he's had, he's had a phenomenal start to, to their season so far. And you feel great about where he's at because I didn't think he was going to look like this this year. I thought he was going to be like a, a massively bad signing. He's looked good. You know, Brandon Marsh, even though he's cooled off slightly has still, man, he, he's performed really at a high level offensively and he's brought stability right, to center field. Right. Bryson Stott's a legit leadoff guy. He sees a lot of pitches. He's tough with two strikes. But he won't keep him in the leadoff spot. He I keeps know. moving him around, dude. I, I know. He's been better with it, Derek, lately. But it's it's like it's one of those things, just pencil him in. You don't have to give it much thought. You know? You really don't. Um, so that, to me, like, there, there, there are definitely some positives here, you know, for sure. But it's, it's, th- there's a lot of good here, I, I think, with this team. That, will, that I think as the season goes on translates. The, the, the other thing that has to happen is you 100% have to make a trade for a fifth starter because I don't think that's changing. Like, I don't – I worry about Bailey Falter. Uh, you know, I don't know what Taiwan Walker is going to be in that four hole, but you, you, and you can't count on Painter or any of those guys right now. If you get something out of them, great, it's a bonus. You're going to have to make a trade. That's for sure. 
if you're looking for a fifth starter, you got to give up something that another team needs. And I'm not talking about a minor league prospect. And as we had Ben Davis on last week, Ben said, I don't know what you trade. I don't see this team giving up any of their arsenal right now. If that is the case, how are you going to find a fifth starter? How, how are you going to get that? How are you going to get that guy? Yeah, I don't because know. Because if you, you know what I mean? If you make that move, somebody's going to want something in return. You don't have a lot in the minor leagues that's appealing to people right now. And what you do have in the minors, the two or three prospects you have, you don't want to give them up because your minor league staff is, it, it, your, your minor league is so depleted of, of potential major league talent as it is. You want to hold on to the two or three that you got so you can bring them up in the fold. This is not like the Dodgers or Miami or Atlanta where they're cranking out minor leaguers and turning them into pros every other year. You know, the Phillies have been hot and cold with their minor league system since I've been in Philadelphia in 97. You know, the the days of, of getting to Jimmy Rollins and, and guys like that, those days are gone. You know, uh, uh, you know, uh, Ryan Howard, those days are gone. Those, those, they don't happen every day for this organization. Well, you look at how homegrown that, that, that group was. You know, Jimmy, homegrown. Chase Utley, homegrown. Ryan Howard, homegrown. Yes. Uh, Cole Hamels, homegrown. Ryan Matson, homegrown. I mean, that you, you're right. I mean, and there, that's been few and far between. You look at Atlanta. You look at the Dodgers, as you mentioned, over the years. It, it, you just feel like they're just cranking them out, man. And, and the other thing is, A, if you need to make a trade, you have somebody that people value in your minor league system, or you just bring somebody up and they're ready yep. to go. And the, yep. and the Phillies are going through these, like, bullpen games. I mean, we didn't even talk about it. Dylan Covey the other day, Sunday night, Derek, you blink your eye and you're down seven nothing. And he's out. It was unbelievable. Yeah. And what did he give up? Two home runs in the first inning. Okay. Yeah, it was. It was an historically. I'll give you the numbers. It, it was an historically. I have a, my my many notes that I have here. But um, so Covey goes two thirds of an inning, six hits, seven runs, two home runs allowed, thirty pitches. Six times in NL history, that it, only six times has a starter allowed that many runs, hits, home runs without making it out of the first inning. Only six times in the history of baseball in the National League has that happened. That's how bad did it you, was. Did you know Kobe was the, the third pitcher this season for the Phillies to not get out of the first inning? That's unheard of. Now, three times out of 50-something games seems like a small margin, but, you know, that's, that's huge. Three times this season, the Phillies' starting pitcher has not gotten out of the first inning. Yeah, that's a that, problem. The, the amount of times they've had a position player pitching, the amount of times your bullpen, like you just said, has been asked yes. to go eight innings. Yes. Like you're killing these guys. And, yeah. and that's why, you know, another positive is I think the bullpen, and you're right about Soto, he is all over the place. But I think for the most part, the bullpen's done a really nice job for him, considering for them, considering what they've been asked to do. They've been asked to do a lot. Yes. So I, I give I give props to the bullpen. I think they pitch pretty well, all things considered. No, and I think you're a little bit more optimistic about Wheeler than I am. He has the capability. I think he is a frontline pitcher. On a lot of staffs, he would be the number one pitcher instead of the number two pitcher. But until I see it, I can't buy it. Uh, I'm I'm not banking. Uh, this team has disappointed me so much up to this point for two months of a season. I'm not banking anything on promise. And even though I, even though I've said it time and time again, I do believe this team will come out of this in June as the weather starts to warm up. I got to see it. I mean, Nola's been so inconsistent. Wheeler has been up and down as well. Wheeler pitched probably his best game of the season on Saturday, you know, in, in that game. Um, but 
he's also capable, as we've seen, of falling apart and giving up, you know, seven hits, four runs in his next outing. You know, so I got to see it, you know, because this team has this, whatever this unlucky charm is that's in that clubhouse right now, it has really, really shocked the baseball world that this team has been this mediocre and currently sitting in fourth place. But now sitting in fourth place is is nothing right now because they're not that many games out. And you're not that many games behind the Mets, and you can do some damage against the Mets over the next three days. But still, because of the way this team has played up to this point, I'm going into this Mets series less than optimistic about the outcome, to be honest. Yeah, look, that's fair. Uh, I don't know. They haven't shown you anything for you to really dig into and say, okay, now I believe a run is coming. They haven't, and, and that's fair. I do. I, I agree with you. Like, I, I – I feel better about Wheeler than I do Nola. Like, I don't know what's up with Nola. I don't know if the contract thing is weighing on him or he just ha- he's off to a slow start. I don't know. Uh, but he's he's definitely got to be better than he's been. All right, let's get a timeout, Gunner. Let's come back and let's okay. set our sights on the NFL, man. We, we, we'll jump around a little bit. Jimmy G's contract, uh, Le'Veon Bell, interesting thoughts from Le'Veon as usual. Where might DeAndre Hopkins end up? He's hired new, uh, new management as well. And then uh, – there's a weird Kenny Pickett story, and then we will rank the the most difficult to the least difficult in terms of NFL uh, divisions in both the AFC and the NFC. We'll do all that when we come back, so don't go anywhere. He's Derek Gunn. I'm Rob Ellis. We're Sports Take, Jacob Sports YouTube Network. All right, let me tell you about Flynn Tree Service. Yes, Flynn Tree Service. If you have a home, like I said, a property, and you look and you notice, man, my tree's getting old. That tree is, it looks like it could be falling down at some point, and, and we may have some issues here. Well, guess what? Flynn Tree Services is the place to reach out to, and they're experts at trimming all types of trees. And they service southeastern Pennsylvania, uh, southern Delaware, uh, northern Delaware, and, so, and South Jersey as well. Uh, they do an unbelievable job. I've seen the tree, the, uh, the uh, trucks all over uh, the neighborhood, all around, locally owned. Uh, you know, now's a good time to get your trees evaluated because we're going to get that heavy, you know, rain and winds come summertime. But, you know, you can go to their Instagram or Facebook page for more information or to check out their work. But give them a call. 610-850-2848. 610-850-2848. Flynn Tree Services. You can also go to FlynnTreeServices.com. That's FlynnTreeServices.com. run wild and time stands still because here you can find the best of the Jersey Shore all on one five mile island so leave the old you behind and get lost in the woods
and save at Southeastern PA in Delaware with Colony Pools this football season. And let the experts close your pool with a custom Merlin safety cover in green for the birds. And if you join our winter watch team, we'll give you another 20% off and Colony Pools will handle it all. Keep your tiles on your pool, not in your pool. Fly with Colony right now, birds fans. Visit flywithcolony.com. Hi, everybody. My name is Jason Lombardi. I'm an inspector at DryTech. At DryTech, we offer three major services, the first one being basement waterproofing. The second service we offer is foundation and structural repairs. And then the third service that we offer is mold remediation. If you feel you're having a waterproofing issue, give DryTech a call or check us out online. We're back. Yes, we are. Sports Take, Jacob Sports YouTube Network. Rob Ellis, Derek Dunn, hanging out with you. I, uh, I've taken the show on the road due to uh, to roofing issues at the crib. Uh, but Derek's still in the in the compound, the gun compound, doing his thing. Uh, yes. Hey, let me let me go back to uh, the Scott Rowland thing for just a moment. Sure, sure. You were you were talking you were talking about how you hope people would would cheer him and just let bygones be bygones. Yeah. So in a commercial break, I'm looking on Twitter and I see a comment here that says. Hall of Famer Scott Rowland will go into the Phillies Wall of Fame. What do you think about it? So I start, I start scanning through a lot of the comments. And one comment says, I liked him. He hated Philly, too. Um, another comment says, why? He hated Philly. The Phillies' infatuation with claiming this guy is just weird at this point. Um, let's see. Some say he deserves the honor. Another one says, horrible move. Philly fans don't like him. He doesn't like Philly. And then uh, another one says, I remember him begging to leave Philly. And I think he commented that he was now in baseball heaven when he went to the cards. Not a favorite of mine or many other fans I know of. And it just goes on and on. Most of the comments is negative towards Scott Rowland. And so that's why I'd ask you, I said, knowing his fan base, do you think they were forgive and forget? But just looking at this one small sample of comments, there's yeah. still a lot of hurt, a lot of bitterness towards him. Yeah. Um, how he left and the fact that he, he would take shots at Philadelphia once he got to St. Louis. Um, and, and I don't think people are going to be forgiving. I hope the the bulk of the people will, as you know, because Philly has such a negative image across the country in terms of fans and, and, and what type of fans they are. I would hope the bulk of them would drown out the booze, but I do believe there's going to be a smatter of booze when his name's announced. Yeah, I, I do too, Derek. I agree with you. I mean, yeah, he and he did make the comment, um, he called St. Louis baseball heaven. Um, it was very yeah. contentious the last couple of years here with management. I, I, I think in fairness, the, the organization was in a different place than it is now. The, the commitment to winning wasn't the same then. Um, Larry Bowen, he had it out publicly a couple of times. Uh, it, was, it was not pretty, I, I will tell you that. Um, if you look at what he did on the field, he was a very good player. 
but yeah, there are definitely hard feelings for sure. And I, and yeah, I agree with you. I, I don't think it's all going to be love. And like, to me, I guess ultimately this is, this is a decision that you have to make as an organization. Do I, yeah. do I want to yeah. honor this guy? Do, but do I want to bring him back and put him in a weird spot? So do I maybe avoid that? So I think the Phillies are potentially opening themselves up to criticism. If that's the case, um, I do believe Roland will come back here, but it, like to me, that is the kind of thing in that setting. Like, I don't care if you do somebody like during a game or whatever, but in that setting, when it's a retired player and he's coming back to be honored, I, I, I'm not comfortable with that. If there's boost, I'm, I don't tell people how to react. So I'm not doing that. I'm just telling you, watching it as an observer, I'm kind of like, Ugh. it's a little awkward, you know, to say the least. Yeah. It's supposed to be a joyous moment. And then all of yeah. a sudden that happens and it kind of takes away from it. I'm sure the Phillies have thoroughly, the, the front office has thoroughly thought this thing through because I see a few more comments that couldn't you pick somebody else to put on the wall? Ouch. You know what I mean? Ouch. Yeah, fair oh. enough. <laughs> Jim G says, Roland will show up with J.D. Drew. J.D. Drew is probably like, <laughs> for people who don't know, like arch nemesis number one from a baseball perspective because he was drafted first overall by the Phillies and refused to sign here. So yeah. it was. there's a lot of bad blood there with J.D. Drew, that's for sure. That's funny, though. It's a good line. Um, all right, NFL here, Gunner. Um, so the, the whole Jimmy G saga in Oakland is – Oakland, in Vegas is weird. Um, so if you remember, when he got hurt last year with the 49ers, he initially just, just tried to rehab the injury without surgery. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, I, obviously I guess the thing wasn't getting better or whatever. So he had surgery after he signed that deal or pr- prior to – I guess it was – yeah, the timing of it was kind of strange. And the, the So they made him um, – there was a waiver that, that took place uh, with him uh, taking a physical because he would have failed the, vis- the physical with the condition that he was in. He signed the waiver um, and admitted that he wouldn't pass the physical, but he had surgery and also had to admit to some other things like there may be you may have pain down the line. You might have some disability down the line with this, et cetera. But he agreed to all that. So the waiver addresses the foot injury. And then the source says that he went underwent surgery shortly after he signed the three years 72 million dollar deal on march 17th so it wasn't all that long ago um that he had this surgery um so the way it works according to pro football talk was the raiders could terminate garoppolo's contract for any reason related to that waiver and that garoppolo will not be paid the 22.5 million dollar base salary for 2023 unless he passes the physical the waiver is voided if he remains with the Raiders for two days after the final game of the 23 season Hmm. for whatever that read into that, how you want, but yeah, so that's kind of where things are. I would say he kept this well hidden until he got that, that contract. Yep. And now, now the Raiders are scrambling. What if this dude is not what we're paying him to be? Yeah. Um, Now, when you and I talked before the show, you said you had heard that it looks like he, he could be on course to be ready for the regular season. Yeah. But anytime you're talking about a foot injury like that, Robin, you're wearing those hard cleats on a hard surface. You know, you wonder if that thing can hold up or how long it'll hold up. Then it defeats the purpose of uh, Josh McDaniels and that crew going out and getting a Jimmy G to run that offense. Um, It's going to be interesting to watch this, how it plays out. Hopefully he's ready sooner rather than later. I don't know, because we don't know the severity of the foot injury. 
We don't know if it was just cleaning out something. If something had to be repaired, you had to put a pin in somewhere. We, you know, we don't know any of that stuff. So um, the, the Raiders, I bet the Raiders are sweating bullets right now trying to figure out exactly what they have or don't have mm-hmm. moving forward. Yeah, I mean, if you look at their the way they're set up right now, um, and, and and this is a critical year for for Josh McDaniels, you know that yep. much is certain, right? Because if you looked at it last year, Derek, I mean, they had so many problems last year finishing games, you know, losing in big spots. But if you look at their depth chart, you know, just what's behind him right now, it ain't much, man. It's Brian Hoyer who's who's a hundred. It's it's Aiden O'Connell who's yeah. a rookie out of Purdue. So. They got problems if he's not going to be able to go. They yep. really do. Absolutely. Yeah, it's going to be interesting there what happens. Le'Veon Bell. We thought we were done with Le'Veon Bell, right? I didn't see him in the NFL a little bit. No, we're not done with Le'Veon Bell. So he was on a Steelers podcast last week and admitted that he would regularly smoke pot before football games when he was in the NFL. Now, he said, it didn't matter. I still ran for 150 yards. Who cares what I do before the game? But he said he would – he had no issue taking uh, taking part in a little uh, little smoke before the game started there. Well, um, when you look at his career, Rob, um, tough runner. Um, you know, he set out the one season, cost himself some decent money, um, let his ego get in the way of playing football, cost himself one season. Uh, hard runner. He was, you know, he was an interesting runner because he was so patient behind the line of scrimmage you know, it's like he was almost walking, and then all of a sudden he would accelerate. Mm-hmm. But he averaged four yards a, 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 a rushing attempt in his career. Um, his his last two years in football, he played – or last three years in football, he played in a grand total of 17 games over the last three years, and he only had 63, 31, and eight carries his last three years in the league. So, hey, look. If 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 Pot got him through those games and the aches and, and pains that go with it, yeah, you know what? Who who am I? Who am I to question it? But the fact that he would admit that now, obviously, he can't touch him, can't take his money back. I'm just shocked that it never went detected. How did it? How did he continuously get there by the the random p test that players have to take? Good question. It's a great question. You know, I don't know who who looked the other way. Who? Who basically gave him the green green light to do what he was doing? Yeah, and that would have been my follow up. How'd you pass those tests? You know, I, or and, and look, some of these guys have it down to a science. They know where they're yep. going to get tested. After they get tested, then they'll do it or whatever. So I mean, there's they're very smart, very crafty in the way that they go about this. But you're right. I mean, after he he had that holdout year, he fell off a cliff. I mean, he went to the Jets and he stunk. Yeah, he, yeah. he was nowhere yeah. near the same player. Now he lays a lot of that on uh, on Adam Gase's you know footstep. Yeah, um, he was not a fan. He said he was terrible, quote unquote, terrible at calling plays. Um, he said this is what he said about regarding when he left Pittsburgh with Mike Tomlin and got to the Jets with Adam Gase. He said, um, bro, we get to New York and that's when you instantly find out that head coaches make a huge difference. As soon as I got to New York, I found out that uh, that found that out in the first week. Bro, the team wasn't that great. Don't get me wrong. But I feel like if Coach Mike Tomlin of the Steelers was coaching that team, we would have won nine games at least. It's to the point where ex-Jets quarterback Sam Darnold didn't even know the actual line protections because he was so confused about our offense because the coaching is confusing to him. What? 
Wow. You wonder why that didn't work in New York with with either, you know, Darnold or Gase or Le'Veon Bell. It sounds like it was a, it was a, that boy. That guy was one of the disaster hires ever. And he got canned right away. What in Denver? And then was it in? he got canned in Denver and went to New York? Right. Was that the pecking order? No, he was in my um, was in Chicago, oh, Miami, Miami, oh, Miami. Yeah, Miami. He, yeah. He was the um, coordinator. Right. Yeah. And then he goes to New York. And now you wonder why he's out of football. Now, you know, why he's out of football. Unbelievable. You know, if what Le'Veon Bell is saying is true, um, the fact that he got a second chance, and see, that's the problem I have with the NFL in a lot of cases. They recycle these old coaches or it's, these guys get hired because of a friendship they had with somebody. Yep. You know, um, I like I like seeing the fresh new faces. You know, Sh- Sean McVay, um, say what you want to say about him, but when he, when he went to the Rams, you know, he was this innovative coach, created plays, and, and he excelled it to the point where he won run a Super Bowl. Then, of course, the way they went about doing it cost him because he had to gut that team. But I like seeing a young, innovative coach bringing new ideas to the game. But there's some guys that should be better position coaches or assistant coaches more so than a head coach because you get exposed a lot more as a head coach. And Adam Gase got, exploit, uh, yeah. got exposed. I don't know what he's doing now outside of football, but – Whatever he's doing is better than what he did inside of football. <laughs> I hear you. Um, so this story was weird. So Kenny Pickett, Steelers quarterback, um, was at a car dealership. I think he was doing like a commercial for them, and and, and he had showed up. He was uh, so he had an, his SUV parked outside. Right. And, and this is according right. to WT. Was this your station, Derek, or did you were you local? I don't remember. WTAE. No, that's the ABC in Pittsburgh. That's the okay. ABC station. Okay, um, I was at WPXI, which okay. is NBC. NBC. Okay. I got you. All right, so he he was. Uh, this is according to WTAE. So Pickett's making an appearance at a car dealership in Pittsburgh uh, on Wednesday this past week. It, from the lot of the car dealership, his car was stolen. So the the police recover the car less than thirty minutes later. But here's the problem: his playbook was in the car. That's oh. a big deal. That's a very, very big deal. Okay. Oh. So the good news is whoever the thief was didn't even think about, you know, I guess it was probably sitting in the, in the back, who knows, back seat or whatever. The playbook was still intact. It was, it was a, it was a laptop. It was still intact. A tablet, I'm saying. It was, it was still intact and they got it back. No worries, no worries, but it's pretty crazy, right? I wonder if, uh, I wonder if the guy realized whose car it was and realized I had to get get out of this car real quick. Could be. Um, yeah, it could be. Or he might have Monroeville. Do you, yeah, you're Monroeville. Monroe. Yep. Yeah. yeah, I know where Monroeville is. Yeah. Um, or or if he just basically was so nervous and started seeing cops, you know, passing him here and there, he just panicked and dumped the car real quick. Could be. I, I wonder how they just re- recovered the car so quickly. Oh, yeah, 30 minutes. But, that's pretty impressive. Yeah. But the fact that his playbook was still there. Uh, man, he got he got off lucky because, mm-hmm. as you know, some people might have sold that playbook and got some money off of it. Yeah. And now your entire scheme is out there and you don't know who has it. Yeah, for people who don't know, and obviously this is an extreme circumstance where somebody steals a guy's car. But if a player is careless with the playbook and loses it, yeah. there's hell to pay. Like you are in yeah. big, big trouble with big the organization. Yep. No doubt, no doubt. All right, uh, beyond that, so this is going to tie into one of the things I want to get into here with, with DeAndre Hopkins. So Brown's quarterback, Deshaun Watson, Tuesday said that he would love to have former Houston teammate DeAndre Hopkins join. Mm-hmm. You remember, that's one of the teams I floated to you last week Yep. when we talk about where he may end up. 
Yep. Um, so it was during a, a Browns charity uh, outing when Watson said this. So Hopkins, 30 years old, three-time All-Pro all uh, when he was playing with Watson back in Houston. Uh, 2020 was their last season together. Hopkins had 115 catches for 1,400 yards Ooh. and six touchdowns. Yeah, so he's they had some monster years together uh, and a lot of success together. So my question is, and I'll, I'll pose this, and we kind of kicked it around, batted it around a little bit, um, you know, last week. Where do you think he ends up, Derek? You got any sense? I, I don't think it's going to be the Eagles, by the way. I don't. I just don't think they have the money. I don't think from a from a too many you know too many mouths to feed perspective it happens. But yeah, where do you yeah. think he ends up? Um, I'm thinking. I'm thinking right now. Cleveland is a great destination for him because of his relationship with Deshaun Watson. Um, I'm not so sure that a team like Baltimore might not take a flyer on him. They could use another pass catcher as well. I don't think he would survive or fit in well with Belichick in New England. I really don't. Mm -hmm. Uh, Belichick's not going to take any of his his off-the-field antics. Uh, That's a marriage made to disintegrate real quick. Um, Houston? What about Houston? I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, not Houston. I'm in Tennessee. Yeah, I, Tennessee would make sense to me. I don't know how they are cap-wise, but that would make a lot of sense to me. They need playmakers badly. He would walk in as their number one receiver. Yep. Um, he could help Traylon Burks. Yep, absolutely. Uh, a lot. Um, help um, him grow. And help make his quarterback look a lot, lot better. Yeah. You know, when you're throwing balls to the likes of him who doesn't drop many, you know, his catch rate is, is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Uh, once he gets his hands on things, he won't drop many, that's for sure. Yeah, uh, There's a lot of intriguing places he could go when you think about it. Yeah, and and look, I still think there's a lot of gas left in that tank. You know, I think there's a lot there uh, when it comes to him. But, yeah, I was thinking, I think Cleveland makes sense. Um, I, I'm with you with New England. I don't think he ends up going there. I, I think that – yeah. Um, I don't know. Like, are the Bears ready for that kind of move? Like, they they already acquired DJ Moore. I don't. No, no. He, I don't. He, think, I, I don't think he want to go to the Bears. The Bears are not. Either. The Bears are not winning anything right now. You know, JM brings up a good one too. I wouldn't put it past uh, Andy Reid in Kansas City to take a flyer I, on. I wouldn't put it past him one bit. I threw Buffalo out there. You know, Buffalo's another good one. Could you imagine putting him in Kansas City's offense? Yeah. Oh my God. <sighs> You, you talk about the rich getting richer. If, if that's my goodness. Did. Yeah, that would be scary. You throw him with, with, with Mahomes, man, that would be frightening. What, what they could potentially do. And and Kelsey? Wolf. Yes. Yeah, that would be interesting. Uh, um, to, to answer Eddie Silva's question, he said, D-Gun, did your source tell you why the Eagles weren't interested? <clears throat> yes, they did, but I'm not at liberty to say why. I can't say why. Okay, so, but you're hearing not, not interested at this time. They're not okay. interested at this time, no. Okay. Look, I, I think if the Eagles make a move, it's it's more likely to be safety or linebacker than – or maybe a depth receiver. I mean, you have Quez, you have, uh, you know, Lamade Zacchaeus. I, I don't – I just right now, barring and hoping, knock on wood, that A.J. Brown and, and Devontae Smith stay healthy, I don't see them – making a splashy wide receiver move. And I don't know if they have the money to yeah, like, how, yeah. are we really thinking that, that um, Deandre Hopkins is going to take that much of a discount no. where he's going to cost you like nine, 10 million. I don't think so. I don't no, see he, it. He's got the pick of his teams right now. 
And I can't see the Eagles putting that kind of money into another receiver when you've got Deontay uh, Smith, De- Devonta Smith on that first year, uh, first round draft pick contract, and you got AJ Brown under a hundred million dollar contract. I can't see them investing. They'll do it for an offensive line, that's for sure. They'll put that kind of money into their offensive line, but for a pass catcher, for a third pass catcher, I don't see it. I, I, there's no way yeah, because what cap it. space, what cap space they do have left. How are you strategically going to decide where they need help, whether it's at linebacker, D-tackle, safety, whatever the case may be? But I don't think wide receivers on their priority list. All right. Let's look at, um, let's look at divisions. And uh-huh. let's, go, let's go toughest to weakest. Um, okay. Let's run through them. Who, who, do you, who do you want for You want to go first? You want to take the, uh, the uh, toughest? Where do you, want to go? you tell me. All right, I'll, I'll have, let's have you go first. You tell me which one you think is the toughest, and I'll tell you what I think. I'll, I'll tell you what I think about that, and I'll tell you what I think is the second toughest after you go. Okay. Um, I think the toughest right now is the AFC North. Hmm. I'm going to go AFC North. Okay. Um, Cincinnati is that team in a division. Lamar Jackson is happy now. He's highest-paid quarterback in the game. They got him a premier pass catcher there. The, both teams are going to play rugged defense. Pittsburgh is always going to play defense. Kenny Pickett's a year older. Um, and Cleveland, I don't rule out. Now that Deshaun Watson has a full year under the, the system there, uh, and with the talent they have on defense, I think that's, they're going to be back to that black and blue division again. Mm-hmm. So I picked AFC North first. All right, that's an interesting choice I, because we're usually on the same page. We're not this time. Yeah, I went. I went AFC East. Okay, um, that was uh, that was tough. Yeah, it was close between those two. I agree with you. Um, I here's why I went East. You know, Buffalo for as as much as they've come up short, it's a 13 win team um, with with a lot of those pieces back, and then they added some. Yep. Miami, if Tua stays healthy, is at least a double digit win team in my estimation, and they've just added parts too defensively. Yep. yep. Uh, I think the Jets with Aaron Rodgers very well could be a double-digit win team. And I absolutely think New England with Bill O'Brien taking over, two yeah. could get into double. So you could have four teams in that division all with double-digit wins. Yes, yep. The only thing I don't know about with the North is <laughs> Cleveland's kind of tough to handicap right now, but they do have Watson and he's in the system now. Yes. Um, and how good is Pickett? You know, I I, I agree with you. Like, I think Cincinnati could be the, you know, the second best team in the AFC, and and but the other teams, there's a couple of question marks. Like I think Pittsburgh is improving with Pickett, but I don't know right now. I don't know about Watson, and I and while I like the Ravens, I don't love them. Like it's it, to me, it's close, but I go AFC East as, as my number one. No, I I don't agree. My the AFC East was my number two uh, toughest division, and I and I struggled between my one and two as I weigh the options. Um, but with, with one, um, I don't know where Mac Jones is, Jones is as a player right now. We do think O'Brien will, will make him a better player, but you got to see it. Yep. And if O'Brien can't make him a better player, then after this season, New England's going to have to think about getting another quarterback. Mm-hmm. I just think with Deshaun Watson, Joe Burrow, Kenny Pickett on the upswing um, yep. in that division, and Lamar Jackson now happy with his money, and, and the way those teams take pride in playing defenses and knocking you know what out of each other, I just think 
I just think 10 and 7 might win that division this year. Yeah. I, ju- I really do. It could. I mean, they could be feeding off each other. All right. Well, uh, the other one I would I would throw in there that I think is very close with the AFC East and North is I think the NFC East. You know, I, again, think about last year. Is that year, your Derek. number three? Yeah. That, no, actually, they're my number two. I have the North as my – the AFC North is my number three. I have AFC East as two. NFC AFC, East is two. NFC so I go – two. Yeah, okay. okay. I go AFC East, NFC East. They're my one, two. Now, here's my okay. logic for the NFC East. I think the Eagles are the best team in the NFC. They, they won 14 games last year. Dallas, I think, as much as we all want to hate on them, the Dallas is good and they're talented. Um, and they added some pieces. Stephon Gilmore, Brandon Cooks, they've added some pieces. So I think they're going to be really good again. Uh, the big question there is, I think Dak Prescott and Mike McCarthy calling plays. But then you go to the Giants. I mean, you know, with it, second year under Dable, um, Daniel Jones now in the system for the second year. You got him a couple of weapons, including Darren Waller. Right. You know, they're a well-coached, well-run team now that I don't think is going to be falling off a cliff. So I think they could be another team that wins 10 games. It's a possibility for sure. I mean, look at what they did last year with less talent. And in, in the first year under Dable, they won nine. And then, you know, Washington, I don't love Sam Howell by any stretch, but they have Brissett in the, in the wings waiting. There's some talent there, and they add Eric B. Enemy. So, again, you know, you're talking about four teams that, that could compete for a playoff spot in that division. So, I have the NFC. I go AFC East, NFC East, one, two. My, my one and two were AFC North and AFC East. My, the NFC East was my number four. My number three is the AFC West. Wow, okay. When you still have the gunslingers you have there, plus you add in Sean Payton taking over Denver – and he walks into a gold mine of talent. All they needed was a, 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 a leader, someone to put them in the right direction. And Sean Payton, I believe, is that guy. I think he's going to get Russell Wilson back on track. He's got great pass catchers. They've got a good running game. They've got a good defense. Um, and then you got you throw in the Chargers. You know, Herbert's going to be Herbert. Um, Patrick Mahomes is that guy, as we all know. I just think the gunslingers in that division – are going to live up to the expectations this year. All four, not just a couple of them, but I think, you know, and Jimmy Jimmy G, we don't know his situation with the Raiders yet. Um, but I think just based on the three gunslingers that I mentioned, I think that's going to be a tough division. I expect Kansas City to win it again, but I just think it's going to be a tougher division. I think from top to bottom, if things panned out correctly, all four teams have a better shot of making the playoffs than all four teams in the uh, NFC East. That's yeah. the, that was my final stack, the way I stacked it up. Well, I, I think – look, I think you make a good point with the West uh, because Denver's just going to be so much light years better than what they were last year uh, under Sean Payton. And I don't think Russell Wilson, you write him off. He's not a write-off for me. No. So I think they bounce back. Kansas City's the best team in football. Uh, uh, the Chargers won 10 games last year. If the coach can get out of his own way – they could be an 11-12 win team, potentially. Um, I think Denver wins at least 10 games. I I think they win at least 10. The Raiders are the team I'm not ready to give it to yet because I don't know about McDaniels as a coach, and we have no idea health-wise with Jimmy G. So that's why I would put them four. I have them fourth, Derek. I go AFC East, NFC East, AFC North. Now, you just went through all the reasons for the North, and I agree with you. Um, there, there is no non-competitive team in that division. Like I, I think in the AFC North, all four teams are going to be tough to beat. 
you know, and it wasn't all that long ago. Kevin Stefanski had the the, the Browns in the playoffs. It really wasn't. Right. Um, so, yeah, they're they're going to be good. That's my first four. You know, you start kind of weeding through it a little bit. I go. I'll give you my number five. It's the NFC West, and I go NFC West five because San Francisco, I think, is is the second best team in the in the NFC. Yep. I think Seattle. You know, uh, it was a nine and eight team that came out of nowhere last year that very well could be a double digit win team. Um, and, you know, Gino and it, it has sort of, you know, risen here, but they also had a really good uh, Jackson uh, Smith, the Jigba. They had him right with DK Metcalf. The problem I have with this division is the last two teams. I, I think the Rams are, are a far cry from the Super Bowl team. And right. I think the Cardinals stink. So it's top, it's top heavy. You got two good ones and then two pretty weak ones in that division. Yeah. But that's where I have them. I have them fifth. Yeah, I, yeah, we're back on track. I have the 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 NFC West is my number five toughest division because I do think it's a two horse race. Um, I don't know what the Rams are. I don't know how the Rams can bounce back. I don't know if their cap situation will allow them to be as competitive as they want to be. I love their coach, Sean McVay. I love everything yeah. about Sean McVay, McVay as a coach. But I don't know if he has the personnel to get the job done. Arizona, they may not, they're not going to even have the starting quarterback at the beginning of the season. Everybody wants to leave Arizona. Nobody's really coming in. Um, and so I think it comes down, can Seattle go toe-to-toe with the 49ers? I do think those two are quality teams, quality playoff teams, as they were last year. So that's why I put – the NFC West is my number five toughest division. Okay, my uh, my number six here I have is the uh, the the NFC North is my Ooh. number six. Oh, I have the you know a Vikings team that won thirteen games last year that added a good defensive coordinator with Brian Flores. I think Detroit definitely is going to be a playoff team this year. You know, if Jordan Love can play, Green Bay's dangerous. You know, and yeah. I, and I also yeah. feel like they yeah. they feel they have something to prove to everybody that it wasn't just Aaron Rodgers, and I think they want to stick it to Aaron Rodgers a little bit. So there's yeah. some motivation, and the Bears aren't going to be a three win team this year. They're going to be better than that. No, no. So I I think all in all, it's an okay division. It's not special. It's it's eh, but you know your top two have some potential to be decent for sure. Well, you you and I are head head to head again. Uh, because I have the a- NFC North as my number six toughest division. Um, Minnesota is going to be Minnesota. I think Brian Flores, the addition of him coaching that defense, is going to make Minnesota's defense that much better. Brian Flores likes to mi- mix it up, likes to come from different angles with his personnel, and he's got personnel in Minnesota to do that. Minnesota added another wide receiver to offset Adam Thielen leaving. Uh, I tell you, I think Kirk Cousins is one of the best regular season quarterbacks in the National Football League. Mm-hmm. He just can't get out of his way in the playoffs. And Chicago, when I got uh, Justin Fields, a premier pass catcher, they spent a lot of money on defense, but you got to put it together. It's got to come together on the field. And I don't know if it will in Chicago, but that's why I put them at number six. Okay. Okay. Uh, after that, I go AFC South. After that, um, yeah, yeah, you know, and again, this, this is not a special division, but I really like the Jags. I really like the Jags. Mm. I think that what you're going to see from the other teams, like I think Indianapolis will be better. 
I think Houston will be better. Yep. I, I don't know about Tennessee right now. I, I don't know that they're just kind of flatlining at this point. And if, if they get better, they're slightly better. They're marginally better. Like you may only have one team in that whole division over 500, and that's Jacksonville. So I throw AFC South in there as, as the next one, as my seventh. Oh, uh, we're off track. I went NFC South as my okay. number seven. Okay. Um, NFC South to me is an intriguing division because you don't know who's going to be the king of that division. Now, there's so many storylines there. Can Baker Mayfield save Tampa Bay? Way the way it looks right now, I don't think so. Uh, who's quarterbacking initially in Carolina? Is it Andy Dalton? Is it Bryce Young? Um, who, who's 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 going to lead the other teams? Is, is Ritter can Ritter rise to the occasion in that division? They've got they've given him the talent. Yeah. They spent over they spent uh, over two hundred million on defense alone. I you know, think they're a sneaky team. I think they're sneaky. I, I, yeah, Atlanta's could be tough. They drafted a running back in the top ten. You know, mm-hmm. uh, who everybody would consider the premier running back in the NFL. Um, I, I, I just think, as mediocre as that division sounds, I think top to bottom, it's more of a competitive division than the AFC South. Mm-hmm. You know, in the AFC South is Jacksonville. You're not expecting much from Indy. You're not expecting a lot from Houston. I think both both teams will improve, but you're not expecting much from them. Tennessee is that middle of the road team, you know that that could do a little damage, but I just think top to bottom, bottom in the, the NFC South, to me, has overall better personnel than AFC South does. Yeah, I, I you know what honestly, uh, as you go through that, I think you're right. I think I would flip them, honestly, in listening to you. Um, because I, I I think New Orleans and Atlanta are going to be the teams that battle it out for the top of that division. We'll see how yeah. Derek Carr plays. Yeah. I, I agree with you with the talent that Atlanta's added. They've taken a very aggressive approach. Like, they're not yeah. looking to some slow rebound. No, they're like, we're, we're trying to win now. Um, and I also I, – I, I kind of believe in what Carolina's doing. Yeah. I do. Yeah. Like, I, I feel good about where they're headed. You know, I think Bryce Young – um, whether or not he starts the season, I don't know. Um, but I think he might. And I, I think Frank Reich's going to be good for them there. And I think they have some other pieces defensively. They have a good running back, Chuba Hubbard. Um, I like them. I, the team I don't like in the NFC South is Tampa. I just feel like Tampa's I think it's a mess. quickly heading the wrong way. Yeah. Um, we haven't seen them improve the offensive line much. The defense was a mess last year. Baker Mayfield has some great targets to throw to, but I'm not a big Baker Mayfield uh, fan. Baker Mayfield plays like a pro bowler one week and plays like a third-string quarterback the next week. I think he gambles too much with the football. Um, so I, I expect I expect Tampa could finish at the bottom of that division, yeah. which is weird as it sounds. They could be the worst team in the division when you look at it. I agree. Look, I agree. I think, too, like, you know, we, we always talk about the guys who were – good coordinators and good assistants who may yeah. not be head coach. Yeah. I think Todd Bowles falls into very good D coordinator. I don't know that he's yeah. a head coach, you know, yeah. and, and, and look, he took over a difficult situation. You're, you're, the offensive line was falling apart. Yep. You know, I think Arians kind of saw the writing on the wall and got out. Uh, Brady leaves, obviously you're, you're, that, that's a blow when something Absolutely. like that happens. Absolutely. 
Yeah. So, you know, we'll see. We'll, we'll, we'll see what happens. Like, I don't know. I, I don't know what to really expect from Baker Mayfield at this point. He's just bounced around a lot. I give him credit for the way he handled himself with the Rams. Remember, he got there on like a Tuesday and started a Thursday night game. Like, that couldn't have been easy. So he had the, he had the right attitude yep. uh, when he was with the Rams. I actually thought it may not have been the worst thing in the world for him to stay there for another year and just sort of mm. lay low a little bit. But, you know, he's probably not at that point in his life. You know, right, he's going right. to probably play. But, um, you know, we'll see. We'll see what happens. But, yeah, I mean, I think it's interesting to look at because there's some really, really tough divisions. And then there's some there's some crap, frankly. <laughs> there's yeah. some garbage. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's for sure. So, um, all right, let's come back and we will hit and <laughs> dig a little bit more into the Heat Nuggets. Uh, a little bit more into the Panthers and the Golden Knights, who will be playing in the uh, in the NHL Stanley Cup Finals, which is coming up this week as well. And then we got some good birthdays for you. We got some movies for you. We got a lot of stuff in store. So uh, don't go anywhere. He's Derek Gunn. I am Rob Ellis. We are Sports Take, Jacob Sports YouTube Network. All right, let's talk a little Razor Technology. Yes, Razor Technology. If you're not familiar, Razor Technology's tailored IT solutions examine the needs of individual businesses and the people behind them, creating infrastructures that minimize downtime and reduce friction uh, along the way in the process. You know, they're, 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 you need transparency and clarity to outmaneuver your rivals and grow your organization. And that's what they bring to the table. All right. An objective view of what is happening now, a clear view of what is happening going forward, an informed view of the future, and also a very well-organized, transparent process that allows you and your digital organization to clearly view what's happening going forward here in the system. We know how challenging the dark web can be and to what security and where they fall. I mean, you, you, there, are, there are just awards and accolades all over the place for Razor technology, including top 50 tech employers. You name it, they can do it. They can handle it. And that's why Razor technology is where you want to be. Give them a call, 866-797-3282. That's 866-797-3282 or online at razor-tech.com. That's razor-tech.com. Imaginations run wild and time stands still because here you can find the best of the Jersey Shore all on one five-mile island. So leave the old you behind and get lost in the woods. Corey, 
and save at Southeastern PA in Delaware with Colony Pools this football season. And let the experts close your pool with a custom Merlin safety cover in green for the birds. And if you join our winter watch team, we'll give you another 20% off and Colony Pools will handle it all. Keep your tiles on your pool, not in your pool. Fly with Colony right now, birds fans. Visit flywithcolony.com. Hi, everybody. My name's Jason Lombardi. I'm an inspector at DryTech. At DryTech, we offer three major services, the first one being basement waterproofing. The second service we offer is foundation and structural repairs. And then the third service that we offer is mold remediation. If you feel you are having a waterproofing issue, give DryTech a call or check us out online. segment of the program thanks for hanging with us we are sports day jacob sports youtube he is the terminator ellis the terminator yes uh who was your daddy and what did he do what does he do? <laughs> that was a bad arnold that was a bad arnold all right um this one's interesting derek so uh bob myers bob myers uh was the architect of the golden state warriors and this this current run that they've been on this this unbelievable dynastic run that they've been on uh two-time executive of the year uh, he's led to the four NBA championships, putting together a pretty amazing roster over the years. Um, he's been with the franchise for 12 years. Ownership offered him a ton of money to stay, but he just feels like it's time to move on. Um, he, he There's a lot of talk that he may want to just kind of go do something else with his life. Mm-hmm. Um, he grew up in the Bay Area, so he's, he's from that area. He, he played basketball at UCLA. Uh, he's built a Hall of Fame you know, resume that includes Steph Curry, Draymond Green, Clay Thompson, Coach Steve Curry. You know, obviously he went out and got uh, he got Kevin Durant during the stretch too, among other players. But yep. yeah, so he is um, he's going to be moving on, uh, and, and the Warriors are going to have some very difficult decisions to make with payroll. They're they're, they're luxury tax. You ready for this, Derek? Yeah. Could approach five hundred million dollars in the twenty three twenty four season. She, maybe that's why he wants out. He doesn't want to be a part of the reclamation project. Yep. You know, he's he's been a part of four rings yep. there. Um, maybe maybe he's bored with it. I think he sees the writing on the wall that they're going to have to rebuild this team. You know, Steph Curry is 35 years old now. He's not going to be there forever. Uh, Clay Thompson's getting up there as well. Um, and, and, you know, maybe maybe the challenge has waned. He doesn't want to do that. Maybe there's other things. Maybe there's other offers we don't know about outside of outside of basketball that's piqued his interest. Mm-hmm. And he probably gets to stay at home in the Bay Area. It's nice to be able to do what you've done at the highest of high levels and be in your hometown while you're doing it, you know, as well. You're not going to have to relocate your family. Uh, maybe he's got enough money. He just wants to enjoy life. 
Could be. Who knows? Yeah, could be. You know? I mean, there, there, there's a lot of talk that he would be highly successful in whatever field he chose. So, you know, we'll see. We'll see what happens. But that's going to be one to keep in mind. I didn't realize. I knew they were in some tax, luxury tax hell. Right. I didn't realize it was $500 million worth. No, no. So, whoa. And we, I mean, thought the, and we thought the Sixers had problems. Yeah, no kidding, man. That's uh, that's going to be fascinating because they have some decisions to make. Uh, Draymond Green's got a player option for this upcoming season. Klay Thompson's going into the last year of his deal. Like That's right. going to look vastly different, that, that Warriors right, right. team. You know, they may try and run it back one more time, but after that, that's it. You know, that it, It's going to look way different. Mm. Yeah. Well, yeah. you know what? Get out while you're still on top, as they say, right? I hear you. I hear you. Uh, speaking of the NBA, so we know now the finals, they're set. How much do you worry about the long layoff for Denver? I mean, you look at this, and, and we know the Heat had to you know fight tooth and nail just to get in here and, and survive. But you look at it now from a Nuggets standpoint, and you look at the time away and the time off, and Derek, yeah. you realize they're the last game that they played. And, and, and you know, again, it, you, you get to heal up a little bit, which is which is critical, obviously. But the last game that they played was May twenty second, and they won't play again until June first. Jeez, a long time off. Well, you know what? Um, rest is good for the weary. Um, they get they got extended rest to heal up some of the little things. Yeah. Um, but they also you, we also know that when you get that kind of extended rest, you can come out rusty. Right. And it'll cost you that initial game because you're not as sharp. But with the depth and the shooting capability of this Denver team, I I expect them to come out blazing. To be honest with you, they're so jacked up now because it's the first time ever that Denver potentially has this chance to win an NBA championship. The first two games start off in their backyard on national TV. The entire basketball world is watching the Denver Nuggets now, and they want to put on a show. And whatever rust they may have, they get to shake off some of that, that, that those cobwebs in their backyard. I don't think the layoff is going to affect Denver one iota, to be honest. Okay. Um, uh, yeah, I, I you know, I think it may affect them a little bit early in the first game, but then I think after that, it's going to be old hat. They're going to be right back where they are. I just I don't know, man. I see a really small Miami team to begin with. Yeah. You know, and to their credit, they were able to beat the Celtics, and they 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 just it's incredible what they've done. But what are they going to do with the Joker? You know, and Spolstra to me is the best coach in basketball, but that's a problem. You know, what, what, how are they going to body him up and what are they going to do to offset him? I don't think they really, uh, Miami really has anybody to match up with him. I think it's going to have to be a combination of people. Yeah. You're going to have to go after a couple of people on him. Um, the way Boston did on Jimmy, Jimmy Butler, those guys are where they collapsed people on him. I think that's exactly what um, Miami's going to have to do with the Joker. Yep. But when you do that, that means somebody's going to be open. And when it comes to Denver, they don't miss many, man. Even a bad day, even a bad day shooting beyond the arc for Denver is a good good day for most other teams in the NBA. Yeah. And I just think you're going to have to pick your poison. You, you really do. And it starts with the Joker. You got to defend him first and then hope everybody else is not as sharp as they have been throughout these playoffs. And I think that's where the problem lies for Miami. As good as Miami has been, in terms of helping defense, rotating defense, this Denver team is going to stretch them defensively from perimeter to perimeter. The way they, they, as quick as they move the ball around that perimeter. Yep. Yeah. No, I, I'm in agreement with you. I mean, but all that being said, you know, considering what a good coach Bolster is, and 
you don't you don't count Miami out for sure. Um, oh no, heck no! Even though they're they're minus three sixty, the Nuggets are as, as favorites here. I go back to what we were talking about earlier. You know, Jimmy Butler, who's been unbelievable, wins the MVP of the Eastern Conference. Caleb Martin, in 45 minutes, went for 26 points and 10 rebounds. Mm-hmm. He has been – this is a guy who was cut by Charlotte. Yep. That, that lowly team. 2021, yep. I'm watching a guy last night like Haywood Highsmith, who was a former Sixer two-way player, like out there making big play steals, giving yeah. them quality minutes. They're, I can't say enough about that organization and what they do, that Miami organization. It's unbelievable. They're like they're like baseball scouts. Go out and find me these these uncut gems. Yep. You know, um, it was somebody who made a phone call and just got Caleb Martin a, a look a tryout with the, with the Miami Heat. Jay Cole said, did it. The rapper. Jay Cole, yeah. And yeah. said basically, hey, just give him a chance. Just mm-hmm. give him a chance. And Miami said, you know what? He's worth it. He's worth it. Get Pat Riley has a, a keen eye for talent, man. Man. I mean, second to none. For as long as he's been in the game. Man, he has such a keen eye for finding these un- these unhidden gems, mm-hmm. and look at where they are now. My goodness, it's amazing. Um, I love it when you see he and Alonzo with their suits on, just like stone faced. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah. it's like man, oh man, it's crazy. I I can't wait to see what game plan Spolster comes up with. Yes, to attack and defend Denver. Because I honestly believe Miami can gain a split in those first two games. I honestly believe that. And then put a lot of pressure on Denver by getting an, a, another split at their home. Yeah. I, I, this, I, if this game doesn't go – if this series doesn't go at least six games, I'd be shocked. I'd yeah, be shocked. I'd be surprised too. You know what else I, – I, I, I'm just thinking of this as we're talking about it. I wonder with a, with a sort of tired Miami team, does the altitude hit them particularly hard in Denver? Oh, that's a good point. That's those a good first point. two games, you know, with a well-rested, conditioned to, to the to those circumstances, Denver team, that might be a pretty good advantage. If if I'm Spolstra, I had my guys on a flight last night or this morning, heading to Denver, conditioning the next few days, just like conditioning. I know you need your rest. I know you guys are tired. Your dog tired, but we've got to adjust to this air to catch our yeah. breath to run up and down the court with this Denver team. If I'm supposed to, I'm already I'm already in Denver, getting yeah. my guys acclimated to what's to come. I hear you. I hear you. All right, let's do some birthdays. You ready for some birthdays? Absolutely. All right, let's do this thing. All right, we are. We'll start off the great, the Kansas Comet, Gail Sayers. Yes. Gail Sayers, born yes. on this day in 1943. Unfortunately, we lost him uh, last year, or the year before. But uh, he he was just. If you haven't, if you're not familiar with the name. Just do a, you know, go to go down the rabbit hole, do a YouTube or Google search and watch this guy cut, watch him move, especially early in his career before the knee injuries. Absolutely spectacular talent. And he played in an era where there were no such thing as domes. He did all of this on muddy fields, ice fields. Never seen a guy um, who could cut on a dime on any surface the way Gail Sarris did. Unfortunately, his career was cut short by the devastating knee injury. He tried to come back, was never the same running back after that. Uh, but I think one of the best running backs in the history of pro football, bar none. Yeah. And if you haven't seen Brian's song, the story of he and, and Brian, yep, Piccolo, Brian Piccolo, yeah, do yourself a favor. Bring some te- uh, some Kleenexes, though, man. <laughs> uh, it'll get you. That'll hit you, man. Uh, 
uh, Idina Menzel, the, the Broadway actress and singer, uh, is 52 yep. years old today, uh, formerly married to Tay Diggs. How about that? I'm giving you all yep. kinds of information. Yep, yep, look at you. Uh, 1908, the great Mel Blanc. Yes. It, it, Mel Blanc was the man of a thousand voices. Uh, if you watch like Warner Brothers, if you watch the Flintstones, you name it, this guy did so many different voices and was such a talent there. He was unbelievable, Mel Blanc. Dude, he did. He, just to show you how versatile he was, he was always intrigued by sounds as a kid. And he perfected it um, in, in radio and, and, and in voiceovers. He did the voices of Porky Pig, Daffy Duck, Bugs Bunny, Barney Rubble, Mr. Spacely, Tweety Bird, Sylvester the Cat, Yosemite Sam. And that's not even all of them. That's unprecedented. There's no the, one. No one accomplished the variation in the voices. Yeah. That he, no, I'm never, nobody else has ever done that before. It's incredible. And, and, and that's, it's not just doing the voice, it's acting. Like you're also, you have to be able to act as well. Had a very unique look to him. Yes, yes. You know, he, occasionally he would do some acting himself, uh, you know, yeah. but he was uh, unbelievable. Just unbelievable. All right, uh, Winona Judd, 59 yeah. years old today, part of the, the Judd clan, the, the sisters, and unfortunately their mom passed away. But, yeah, Winona Judd. Uh, Sonia Curry, who was the, mm -hmm. the mother of Steph and Seth, is 57 years old today. Uh, Sean uh, Giambroni, who, was, who played the son – in the Goldbergs, like he played the, the oh, lead character yeah. as, as a kid. He was funny in that show. He was good. Uh, Benny Goodman, the, the old band uh, leader and director, uh, was born on this day in 1909. Um, who else do I have? Harrison Barnes. Harrison Barnes was born yep. on this day 31 years ago, now playing for the, uh, for the Kings. Uh, CeeLo Green, the singer, is 49 years old today. Sure. Uh, Tom Morello, the guitarist for Rage Against the Machine, 59 years old today. Kyle Meany, who's an Irish actor, a very good Irish actor. He's 60 years old today. Ted McGinley. Now, you might not know the name, but you know the face. He's been in Married with Children and Happy Days and Revenge of the Nerds. Like, he's always plays that sort of, like, snobby. He, he's perfect for that guy. He's got a hate-the-face kind of thing. Yep. Ralph Carter. Do you know who that is, Gunner? Absolutely. Okay. Michael Evans from Good Times. That's right, Michael Absolutely. Evans. Absolutely. How is Michael Evans sixty-two, man? It's I crazy. know, man. That's unbelievable. Oh, oh. Uh, seventy-two years old, Stephen uh, Tobolowski, who's a very good character actor. If you knew, if you look at the look up the name, you see the face, you'll know who I'm talking about. Uh, P.J. Carlissimo, the uh, longtime coach and NBA analyst, is seventy-four. Bob Evans down on the farm. Oh yes, nineteen eighteen. Still, still throwing down some of his sausage and whatnot. Um, Billy Donovan, 58 years old, the Bulls coach, former Florida uh, Gators coach, former uh, – he's you know, bounced around, obviously, Oklahoma City as well. But uh, he is 58 years young today. All right, who else do you have? Uh, Jake the Snake Roberts from the oh. WWF. He's 68 today. Okay. Uh, someone you should know in your own backyard, Eddie Griffin, uh, former uh, first-round pick of uh, New Jersey Nets, traded right away to Houston. Yeah. Had a severe alcohol problem. Yeah. Unfortunately, passed away at a young age. Went to Roman Catholic High School. Yeah, way um, too young. Yeah, yeah. passed away in uh, 2007. Yeah. Uh, way too young, man. He was a great talent, but he had a lot of issues off the court. Uh, Clint, Clint Walker, who played in the old Western uh, Cheyenne. Okay. Um, he was Cheyenne I, Brody. I love that show. 
I, I did. I love watching yeah. the old reruns. Loved it. Uh, Meredith McRae, who was in Petticoat Junction and My Three Sons. Yep. Uh, she was born on this day in 1944. Uh, let's see who else we have here. Uh, Duncan Jones, a director and screenwriter, the son of David Bowie. It's oh. 52 today. Okay. Uh, Omri Katz, who played uh, John Ross Ewing on the old Dallas series. Mm-hmm. It's 47 today. Uh, Michael J. Pollard. You know his face. Another guy has a weird look to him, but plays in a lot of movie roles. His most famous role was when he was playing one uh, gangster in the old uh, Bonnie and Clyde movie. Oh, okay. Okay. Uh, he was born on this day in 1939. All right. Step and Fetch It uh, is an old, like, vaudeville type guy. Uh, was born on this day in 1902. Okay. Uh, let's see. Uh, Hugh Griffith. Um, Won an Academy Award for his role in uh, the movie Ben Hurd. It came out in 1959. All right. He was born on this day in 1912. And let's see who else do I have here. Uh, that's it. That's We're running it. out of time. All right, good. All right, uh, movies. We got Finding Nemo, uh, 2003, Italian yep. Job, 2003. What else do you yep. have? Uh, uh, Malficient, which is a good okay. movie in 2014. And Wrong Turn came out in 2003. Okay. All right. That's it, man. We are done. Uh, by way, Adam, Adam Kaplan uh, yes. is going to be joining us tomorrow. We, had, we were supposed to have him on last week. We're excited to have him on. Adam brings great insight uh, to, to the show, talking about the NFL and whatnot. So he's going to join us tomorrow at 1230. We'll continue with the, uh, with the Nick Nurse discussion. Certainly, Philly's taking on the Mets tonight. So that's the kickoff to a very big series for them. We'll have more on that. Anything else Sixers-wise and get you set for the NBA and NHL finals not to mention tons of eagles as we always do all right gunner it was fun want to thank tone to shields tone great job producing the program as always thanks to everybody in the chat section everybody streaming everybody listening guys are the absolute best we always appreciate it gunner looking forward to seeing you tomorrow same channel all right see you tomorrow don't go anywhere national football show with dan cilio coming your way for Derek. i'm rob we'll see you guys tomorrow go for the beers go for the cheers go for the hit and the hits Go for the scene, go for the screens, go for the gallery, go for the win, go to Ocean. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. You just take your shot. It doesn't feel like you're on a diet. What I wasn't expecting it to do was to shut off the food noise. This was life-altering, and if I can do it, I feel like anybody can do it. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. 
Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson natural boneless chicken breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.